Hello there, welcome to episode number 15 of True Cult Pop. It's a pop music podcast. <laughs> <sighs> Hello, my name is Stephen Hill and joining me, the uh, the honey to my lemon, uh, it's Mr. Sam Slight. <laughs> I say that because you can probably hear, if you were waiting for the podcast to come back, Yesterday, if you're listening to this as soon as it came out, uh, we were a day late putting the podcast up because you can probably hear I lost my voice uh, quite badly. Really badly. And, uh, <laughs> Sam can tell. I don't know why I tried to phone you when you know, people go like, I I literally lost my voice. And really what they meant is a bit croaky. Mm. I I literally lost my voice. It was unbelievable. Hellish. It was like Reagan from The Exorcist. It was absolutely bizarre. <laughs> like he, he rang up, so peek behind the curtain as it goes. He was saying the day before, it's like, oh, mate, I've lost my voice. I was like, oh, how bad is it? He went, it's bad. And then he rang me the next day, said, oh, I just tried to send a voice note to Merle uh, and nothing would come out. And then he rang and I was like, oh, here he is. How bad is it? And I just get this like droning croak down the phone it's like god we're not recording today mate i think we'll have to push it back a bit so yes it, it, was, it bad. was bad it was bad but you know i mean that's what happens when you sing savior's day <laughs> 12 times on the trot i'll uh, do every it every single day <laughs> yeah uh how was your christmas and new year period sam before we get into everything it, all right was it you having a good time yeah it was lovely thank you yeah really relaxed really chilled out on uh christmas day and new year's itself which was nice and then Busy at work, but nicely busy. I thought this year being, you know, a couple of years removed from any sort of lockdown and stuff like that, people's first proper Christmas back, I thought there'd be a higher percentage of bellends on the streets of Leicester, but there weren't. Everyone was lovely. So, yeah, it's been good. Thank you, man. How was yours? I thought you were going to say a higher percentage of bellends, but there wasn't because everyone in Leicester's a bellend. That is true. Already. Yes. Well, that is true. I didn't. I don't know that. I haven't been to my mate. My mate's from Leicester. So yes, I, I am. Take it off and yeah. I don't. Yeah, I mean, my other... My oh, your actual mate, actual yeah, mate. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my actual mate! Uh, uh, you're my actual mate. Oh, I'm being horrible, I'm sorry The human that. stretcher. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yes, you are, yeah. I'm going to give you a good... Oh, Ooh, no. I'm not going to go down <laughs> that alleyway. Ooh, Mrs. Jesus. Slocum. Um, yeah, I had, I had a nice time. I played uh, Back to the Future Monopoly nice. on Christmas, on, on New Year's Eve, uh, to see in the new year, which is such a fucking middle-aged thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> Back to the Future Monopoly. Yeah. I'm actually going to. My girlfriend got me tickets to see Back to the Future musical in a couple of weeks. Oh, super. So, um, and I watched Back to the Future 1 and 2 over Christmas. So I like Back to the Future. I think we can ascertain from my recent stuff. I believe we've established that. I believe we have established <laughs> that. But yeah, it was nice. I cooked a massive turkey, um, which was nice. And, now, and I ate a lot. And now I'm going on a, a big diet. Which means I'm gonna. I've sort of given up everything, even talking for a couple of days. Mental, apparently so. Uh, but it's nice. I hope you guys had a nice Christmas as well. I hope you liked our little Christmas gift of Criffit Christmas. <laughs> what? Criffit Christmas? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, with True Crap Pop is coming. Is, I say it's coming back. We're starting a kind of little side project. Yes. Um, based on, but it's basically broken records from the, this used to be right act. Now it's this. Same thing, basically. True Crap Pop, where we're going to search for the worst album ever made in history. Mm. We're going to be doing them at first, sort of intermittently, and then maybe sort of building up. But the first thing we need to do is have Sam rank all of the albums that we already had. We're going to do a kind of re-ranking show. You'll be getting that quite soon. So I hope you're looking forward to that. And I hope you enjoyed us dissecting Cliff. We're going to slot <laughs> Cliff in to the shit somewhere, aren't we? Probably quite high, I would imagine. Ooh. You know, sleigh ride. Well, we'll see, won't we? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll Could see. be the first big um, argument we have. 
<laughs> yeah, he fell out over Cliff Richard. But it was good. Um, thanks for all the, the kind words about that. And yes, we will be carrying on doing true crap pop and it'll be on this feed because I can't be bothered to set up another feed if I'm being perfectly honest. I am a lazy, lazy man. On this week's show, we're going to be looking back at a few things that we missed in 2022. We basically did a kind of random grab bag of 10 albums that we didn't get the chance to cover for whatever reason across 2022. So we're just going to do a very, very quick brief overview and go, sorry we missed that. This is what we mm. think. If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. If you suggested it to us, well done for suggesting it to us, unless it was Dream Unending, which we actually <laughs> threw out at the last minute because I was like, I can't I can't get through this record. Um, <clears throat> and we're also going to be talking about the new album from Iggy Pop, which just dropped yeah. as well. Uh, before we do that, I should say if you want to go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop where you can sign up for our exclusive content. We just put a Your Cult Pop up on Trypticon's Requiem. There should be another one that was going up today. Obviously, this podcast should have gone up yesterday and that should have gone up today. I lost my voice. We haven't recorded that. I think what we'll probably do is just do two. So if you sign up for any amount of money, you can get the Your Cult Pop where you suggest a record or a thing. And um, Trypticon was fine i guess yeah i mean uh, i obviously enjoyed it a lot more than you i think it's fair to say between trypticon and dream and ending i think you're a little fatigued with um sort of the challenging extreme end of metal so there may yeah, be a bit I, less I, of that i, for I can't yeah yeah I, I look do you know what i, I actually listened to well oh, fucking whatever it's called that second trypticon album oh, after yeah. doing that and i was like this band great this band are great but i did just find myself being like oh man it's too kind of that kind of funereal mm. i mean it's called requiem obviously it's got that thing to it tom g warrior is great yeah, you know yeah Coat frost are great i don't want to slag off Trypticon, but I, I can't pretend spoiler alert that i enjoyed it that much but you know there's plenty of other things over there go and listen to me talking about belinda carlisle or the police Lovely. instead yeah and then i am very nice if you want to go up to the five pound a month tier you get two classic albums a month we've already done a bunch so far on Tom Waits on George Michael on um, who else? Have Big we done Black. There? Actually, Big Black. Actually, I want to bring up George Michael. Um, for those of you who did listen to our George Michael special, in that, I found this fact out the other day, Sam. I, I'm really annoyed that I didn't get it in for the thing. Um, you know, we were talking about Careless Whisper yeah. and how Andrew Ridgely wrote Careless Whisper. Mm -hmm but it was released as a George Michael song. And we were like, what, what the fuck? Why did Andrew Ritchie write it? It should have been a Wham song, right? You know, we were talking about yeah. that. And we were like, that's weird, isn't it? That it was released as a George Michael solo song, but Andrew Ritchie wrote it. Andrew Ritchie didn't write Careless Whisper. Ooh. George Michael wrote Careless Whisper, but gave the writing credit to Andrew Ridgely because he knew Wham were going to split up and he wanted Andrew Ridgely to be financially secure. For all time. My God, he's just the best fucking bloke in the world, isn't he's he? He's the fucking best dude. Jesus. Oh, oh I'm, I'm yeah. touched by so that. So when we were going, that's weird that Andrew Ridgely wrote Kayla. He didn't. He didn't write it at all. George Michael wrote wow. it. Wow. But all the, all the, pro, all the, all the um, royalties go to Andrew Ridgely. Bloody hell. Just as a nice thing to do. What a lad. Fucking lovely man. Lovely man. Anyway, speaking of lovely men, um, our next classic album... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how lovely Trent Reznor is, but I think he's <laughs> he's had his ups and downs. Um, we're going to be doing the Fragile by Nine Inch Nails, their 1999 double album masterpiece, and I've been doing the script for this over the last sort of week or so. I was there for this, and I still feel like I'm like, oh shit, I'm learning stuff about it even now. There's so much to say about it. 
that I think, and due to it being a double album, that is going to be split into two parts. We've decided, because it's a nice thing to do, we're going to give you the first half, which is the kind of build-up to The Fragile coming mm. out. We're going to give you that for free. So that should be with you on Wednesday morning, I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, and part two will be over on the Patreon page if you sign up for £5 a month. So there you go. A little extra bonus half a Nine Inch Nails podcast for any of you. And, um, you know, obviously with the carrot that uh, <laughs> you sign up and listen to the second part. So you've got to make that one good, Sam. Basically. I reckon we will. I think they've been, you know, I, I, I I've will. been thoroughly enjoyed doing the classic albums, especially. Uh, I think they've been on a run of good form. And actually, would just like to say, I had quite a few, I didn't respond to them, obviously, because I don't read, well, I don't reply to unsolicited DMs, but everyone who messaged me on Instagram after the Tom Waits one went up saying how much you enjoyed it, I did see them. Thank you very much. It meant a lot to me. So, yeah, good stuff. Unsolicited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I think good. we all um, know. <laughs> I think we all know. Uh, good. Um, so there you go. Patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. Head on over. Um, first song pick of the year for 2023, Sam. Ooh. We've picked a song every week. We like to pick a song that we are just listening to for whatever reason alongside all the other stuff we're listening to. Uh, you've picked something rather contemporary and I suppose kind of related to... Nine Inch Nails in a sort of slight way. Yeah. Because they're industrial. Yeah, in a, in a broad yeah. sense. I mean, I'd say certainly more early Nine Inch Nails. I think there is maybe a bit mm. of DNA with the Fragile, because as we'll get into, you know, that is an abrasive and difficult album. But yeah, I have gone for, and actually I can do a bit of a cassette watch because I have ordered the uh, the remix version on cassette tape. It's on its way have from Bandcamp. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So well, tape watch is what back. What a nerd. What a nerd. What a massive nerd. You yeah, are. absolutely, man. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> I wanted to sling this band a fiver because that's what they were charging for it. And I think this mm -hmm. song is fucking brilliant to the point where mm. I wish I'd heard this before Christmas Eve, uh, which is when I first listened to the absolutely horrible song, Take the Blood From My Body by Street Grease. So this you sent this to me on Christmas Eve and I was like, I'm not listening to this on Christmas Eve. Yeah, well, I'm not, not going to listen to like t a, a song called Take the Blood <laughs> From My Body. Why not? On Christmas Eve. Unless it's about Jesus, maybe. I, I mean, but, you know, um, Blood's Red, Santa, etc. There's a connection there. I had the fucking Muppets Christmas Carol. So I was listening to the the the, the score from Home Alone. <laughs> you were, you were. Off. To be fair, he did send me the screen trail. He was listening to it. Oh, oh, like I can't do it. I've got my voice to actually no. do it, but I was going to do the... Yeah, anyway. yeah. But, but it's good, this. This yeah. is fucking great, man. Honestly, this is like late contender for best new bands that I found in 2022, I would say. So discovered them because um, the the long-awaited Godflesh shows that, in theory, unless, I don't know, GC Green fucking busts a hernia or something like that, I will finally be getting to those Godflesh shows I was meant to go into in September. And Street Grease had been added as the opening band on the first night. So I thought, oh, I'll check them out. To date, they've only got one song released, which is this Take the Blood From My Body. And basically... I think the elevator pitch for this is it's the body and uniform covering war dance by Killing Joke, but they want you to actually dance through your nihilistic despair rather than just fall apart in it. I think this is fucking brilliant. When it kicks in and that percussion and the driving distortion and the rumbling bass comes in, it's just a bit of me. And particularly, um, so the duo that are Street Grease, um, or the kind of formative duo, they've now got three other members who will perform live with them. Um, I couldn't verify, but I think this Godflesh show might be their debut live show. So I'm really, really keen to see them. Going oh, wow. to be getting there for doors, definitely. Uh, but it's Maud Neeson and Kane Hemingway, both of whom were in uh, Torrid Horror. And Neeson was also in a band called the JCQ. 
Um, so they wrote and well, they wrote and sort of demoed an EP's worth of material during the early stages of COVID. Uh, after Neeson acquired a charity shop, Roland M909, and I basically love anything with a drum machine, as I've discovered over the last few years. Um, so that's mm. a bit of me. Uh, they then got it produced by Wayne Adams, who has worked with uh, Pet Brick and Big Lad, among others. So a lot of kind of, you know, noisy and industrial and dancey stuff. And it kind of is all that. It's dirty, visceral club music. It's like the prodigy gone wrong after they've listened to the body, basically. I think this is fucking great. What are you saying on this one, Steve? Yeah, I like it. It's got a lot of sort of ministry vibes for me, yeah. I think. I mean, I know it's a fairly obvious pick, but I think kind of early 90s ministry, I think the Killing Joke shout from the, I guess, the sort of democracy era mm. would be a pretty decent shout as well. It is relentless and it is incredibly noisy. Mm. And it's funny that music, which, you know, I mean, I suppose, again, something we're going to get into when we talk about Nine Inch Nails next yeah. week, is that that, that music around that time felt like it dated quite quickly mm. we're always saying that kind of electronic music dates quite quickly but now years and years and years later rather than being dated it almost sounds like it has uh, i guess you'd call it a sort of a cla almost classic retro sounding feel to yeah it. and i love that about it because there is so much um dance rock and electro rock and electro metal and electronic parts within metal and you know with, with all due respect to a band like, say, Architects, for example, mm. who use a lot of electronics within their metal, um, it's a lot cleaner and it's not really industrial in the same way. And I think that is um, a bit of a lost art within sort of big metal band, like kind of using uh, electronics in metal these days tend to be, or, or in heavy music, no, I'm going to say metal rather than heavy music because I think of something like Backwash, which isn't metal, who knows, but it's heavy, yeah, right? Yeah. But I think in metal particularly, um, electronics are used to kind of brighten and clean up mm -hmm. a sound and this does the opposite of that so it almost makes this sort of thing sound like a kind of a, a, a brilliant classic throwback to a bygone era which almost makes it sound like i'm sort of damning it with faint praise but i really do like it i think good, if good. you were there for for this for this stuff and you know i, I remember getting into sort of fear factory and seeing mm. like skinny puppy opening for who the fuck is skinny puppy or somebody and you know I've, i mentioned gravity kills before who i know are not a cool band <laughs> but like i thought were cool at the time and um a lot of those sort of those kind of early 90s industrial bands um i had a mate who was really into shit like pigfish and stuff who fucking loved all that stuff came fdm and um yeah i i i am now in a place where i go that was actually a really cool sonic like blamange of stuff mm. and i like this i like this a lot i think it's really good i think this is really i good. think this is great and i think you're absolutely right in that you know it does it does definitely sound like a kind of throwback but yeah as you say not dated it sounds of its time but in a kind of almost timeless quality i mean you know mm. comparing anything to nine inch nails in any sort of electronic or industrial is a bit of a hide into nothing but you listen to the fragile for example as we both have been you know i mean do it for fun anyway um but that doesn't sound like it's stuck in 1999 it could be could have been released you know a couple of years prior it could be released today and it would still yeah. sound contemporary um i don't think street groups are quite there but there is that kind of i don't know nostalgic but through a contemporaneous lens feel to it uh i think this is great mm. um i cannot fucking wait for them to release this ep that they've apparently recorded and i can't wait to see them live i think it's going to be absolutely horrible which is a bit of me so nice it definitely is. So that is uh, Take the Blood from My Body by Street Grease, a duo. Um, similarly, 
I've picked a yeah, duo as yeah. well. <laughs> so I have picked. So that's very... where the similarities begin and yeah. end, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, I've gone for the classic Labour of Love by Hue and Cry, the second single ever from the Scottish duo, the Kane Brothers, Pat and Greg Kane, released on the 1st of June, 1987, taken from their debut album, Seduced and Abandoned, are two topics we could debate, <laughs> uh, all, <laughs> uh, which reached number six on the UK singles chart. Um, before a remix was done in 1993, which got to number 26. Uh, uh, weirdly, the 1993 remix sounds more dated than the version oh, from really? six years prior, uh, which okay. is quite amazing. Um, Sam, were you familiar with this band or this song before I sent it over to I you? I cannot say that I was. And um, it was interesting because when you said, oh, this is my song pick. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But you said, this is my song pick. You're either going to really like it or you're going to think, what a mad old bastard Steve's being. Um, <laughs> I'll say, mate, I, I'm definitely on the side of the former. I actually really like this. I think it's got a really nice shuffling mm. pace. I like the sampled brass um, refrain that Greg... Kane uses all the way through it um I think the only part of it I mean like it, it is well dated like you can tell that this came out when it did although to be honest oh my god came yeah. out in 1987 and I'd say that particularly Pat Kane's vocals they sound like they came from 1985 particularly like it's real old school um but yeah it's got a hell of a lot of vocal hooks there's a kind of cool slightly cheesy swagger to it that I think has held up well digging about my name yeah Alone. Absolutely, and all of it's brilliant. But all I could think is, um, yeah, you're really kind of nearing the apex of turning into Patrick Bateman, aren't you? Oh, mate, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, so basically, my dad came round the day after Boxing Day, uh, and I put MTV '80s on in the background while mm. I was just sort of sitting there, and this came on, and it was a countdown of forgotten '80s classics. And I thought for myself, I was like, "Well, it's not forgotten, is it? This is a big song." So yeah. there's some weird picks for forgotten. Um, "Street Tough" by Rebel MC was on. I would nearly pick that. That is uh, that is genuinely quite forgotten <laughs> um, by me, uh, apart from by me, and I, I think my, my Sean. Sean led into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me and Sean are the only two people who remember Rebel MC at all. <laughs> but anyway, I deviate slightly. Um, and this came on, and I'd never seen the video before. I remember seeing it on top of the Pops. And if you want to see the whitest thing you've ever seen, in fact, this actually inspired me listening to this song to make a playlist on Spotify of really, really white people music. <laughs> so if you do feel like you are one of those poor, marginalised white folk that we all yeah, are yeah. these days, can't say anything these days, can oh, you? Um, get arrested and thrown in jail. We, uh, go, go and listen to my playlist for white people with this and uh, Coldplay and <laughs> Mumford and Sons. Bit, uh, bit and keen Morrissey. in there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and Ian Brown. Um, uh, so, but look, the thing is, right, I brought this in because I've been listening, I listen to a lot of 80s music just sort of in general mm. when I'm pottering about, right? Um, and I've found myself listening to quite a lot of the 80s I've gone beyond the kind of cool stuff now and I've gone into the sort of blue-eyed soul move, <laughs> British blue-eyed soul movement of the 80s that was very, very popular for a little bit. You think the likes of uh, Paul Young, Style Council, Deacon Blue, Joe Boxers, stuff which has kind of been sort of long forgotten and certainly stuff that I imagine Sam has <laughs> never heard of before in his life. Defi definitely heard Style Council and Deacon Blue and I think there's a reason I haven't <laughs> gone back to them. <laughs> Yeah, so the thing is, like, this was not cool, this type of music. No. It was not, it, it's certainly not cool now. I mean, you know, uh, I, but I can't, I, I think the songs are really good. Like, they are just really, really good. And, you know, I mean, 
picking this, you can't accuse me of being an, like an edgelord or something. Do you know what I mean? I'm not <laughs> trying to be like, I oh, look how fucking cool I am. I've picked Hue and Cry, <laughs> Labour of Love. Like it wasn't cool when it, it was. It was the least cool thing in the world when it came out. And this type of music got so much shit. Mm. Right? Got so, it was. It was like. I mean, it might be the only genre of music in history that is less cool than power metal. Right. Oh, blimey. May yeah. well be because power metal is at least like popular in Germany and it's a little bit underground. Right. This is the absolute epitome of like white, upper middle class, dull, mainstream people who don't like, you know, Volvo 2.4 children, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. suburban. Do you know what I mean? It is, it is white people <laughs> appropriating soul musicians who are far better than them. I mean, I watched the video for this and I watched them doing it on top of the pops as well. And um, Greg Kane's suit, I mean, it's so bad. His suit is so, he's like, he's got a gray suit on Ooh. and he's got like a really sort of flowery, badly colored tight and he's dancing and sort of pointing at something like <laughs> you could not look less cool and then that night there was a motown evening on bbc2 and i watched marvin gay live at montreux oh, and i was like mate you are a like a, this guy is a billion miles away mm. from being marvin gay but ultimately stuff like abc you listen to oh the look of love mate like, yeah, yeah yeah lovely yeah oh, it's a banger and when Smokey sings it's about going oh we love soul musicians <laughs> It's like, yeah, but you're nowhere near. Like, you know, I am aware that they are nowhere near as good yeah. as that. But there's something that is like, there's nothing cheesy about Marvin. Like, I watched that Marvin Gaye thing and I was like, he's still cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's nothing cheesy about, you know, the, the fucking Otis Redding or Sam Cooke. There's nothing cheesy about it. If you do want a kind of more throwaway, cheesy version of that stuff, I actually think so many of these songs are really great. So many of them are really great. I now find myself going, oh, I like Deacon Blue. I like um, <laughs> the Style Council. I always like the Joe Boxers, to be fair. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and, and this got like, I mean, again, it's something that we touched on when we did the George Michael special about, mm. you know, kind of white artists infiltrating, um, quote unquote, black radio, yeah. as yeah. they called it at the time. And this is like, this is kind of, I guess, the absolute apex of that. Like, how are you, how have you two sort of, ginger scottish nerds in really bad suits got the nerve to try and write like a, a temptation song <laughs> but weirdly it fucking works i think this is i think this is a wicked song call it cultural appropriation call it just like absolutely mad ideas above your station yeah. i think this song is is like you say it's got loads of like very very i mean None of the brass is real, no, clearly. Obviously not. None no. of it's really real, right? You think about that Motown stuff and they'd get a whole fucking orchestra in and they'd record it bit by track by track. And this is like, you know, thin, tinny, um, electronic, that electronic bass. But it got, but mate, there's just something about it. And I don't know if I've lost the fucking plot completely. No, no, I, I, about, I like this. And I'm about, I'm about to like chop Paul Allen's head off. Um, I mean, if it's if he's still being played by Jared Leto, then go for it, please, mate. I think we can all we can all but, do with that. But I think this is a fucking absolute banger. It's an absolute banger. This is a really good song. Like much to my chagrin, I do really really like this. But um, I mean, you say it's not cool. I mean, eighties revivalism is all the rage. I know they're only handpicking the best bits, but I reckon season six of Stranger Things, you know. Hue and cry. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, I'd love it. I'd love it if if Hue and Cry got some kind of massive Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah, they're running up that hill. <laughs> like, 
reappraisal. <laughs> but I mean, it's kids are not going to hear this and go, this is brilliant. I'll tell you what else was, was interesting as well. I was staggered to learn for a band who I could only name two other songs from, Looking for Linda and Sweet Invisibility. They're the right. only two other Hue and Cry songs that I know, right? They're not as good as this. Hue and Cry have 15 albums. Fuck it, hell. Who do they think they are? Napalm Death. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I don't think they think No, they probably not. not. <laughs> but um, I, I want everyone to go listen to this because it is a fucking tune. And I think if you're maybe, if you're thir- you know, 33, 34 below, you probably don't know this song. And it's basically the 1975, isn't it? But from 1975, like culturally <laughs> yeah. anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wicked. Absolutely yeah, wicked man. song. All um, in on that. Labour of Love by You and Cry. That's my pick. Um, we're not going to do too much news. We're going to do one bit of news. And it's a bit of news from a few weeks ago and you're probably all aware of it. And it broke on Christmas Eve and it's very, very sad. Um, Maxi Chaz from Faithless passed away on Christmas Eve at the age of 65. Um, the band announces... Um, is passed on Facebook saying, we are heartbroken to say Maxi Jazz died last night. He was a man who changed our lives in so many ways. He gave proper meaning and message to our music. He was a lovely human being with time for everyone and a wisdom that was both profound and accessible. It was an honor and of course a true pleasure to work with him. He was a brilliant lyricist, a DJ, a Buddhist, a magnificent stage presence, car lover, endless talker, beautiful person, more compass and genius. Um, I cannot sit here and tell you all listening that I am, like I, I, I'm any kind of oracle on Faithless, mm. right? By the time Faithless sort of broke out in '96, I want to say, with the Reverence album and Insomnia, mm. which was an inescapable song. Oh, I mean, it was um, inescapable even for me in my youth. You know, real mm. kind of lasting impact, particularly Insomnia. You know, as, as a track. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and. I had friends who were really, really big into Faithless and, you know, I've never seen them live. That song was huge. I think in terms of breaking dance music from that kind of a bit more cult, um, rave culture, underground, free party sound and movement into something accessible and commercially viable uh, in Great Britain, you would look at the Orb, Orbital, the Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, Left Field, Faithless. Mm. Those those would be the artists I think that you'd look at as the single most important artist. Maybe Future Sound of London a bit as well. Um, but I would say, and you know, of course, other DJs as well, but in terms of a band-esque setup, playing live at festivals, playing live shows, da, 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 those to me are the artists. And faithless had a unique style within that genre definitely and i think maxi jazz brought so much to that band i mean his presence in a, in it in a genre that is about fun mm. um chaos hedonistic uh, excess en- i'd say as well yeah excess high energy you know the energy the the build, the pump, the, you know, the go, go, go. He brought, if you go back and watch, I've gone back and watched a lot of, I mean, I remember, I do remember seeing um, Insomnia at Glastonbury. There's a, it was on telly. And I was like, that dude is fucking unbelievable. Mm. So iconic looking, 
this kind of calm amongst a storm like you don't get that calming slow measured thoughtful poetic poeticism within dance music as much or you certainly not not kind of broadly openly it's not a kind of trope it's not something you necessarily associate with that genre maxi jazz had something which nobody else in that genre really had i can't think of anyone else uh he's almost like i mean i was speaking to merlin um of uh, louder metal hammer fame um who actually sent me something which i'll read in a second because he's a huge 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 fan of faithless and he was like him and keith flint are like the two iconic mm. characters the two iconic you know almost like the yin and yang of each other yeah. in a yeah. lot of ways and both of them are dead and it's fucking awful um but like i say you know i i couldn't go through all of their entire discography but their importance as a band and what they did for that genre of music i think is immeasurable so it's it's really sad yeah it's um it is really sad i mean i you know you say you're not an oracle on faithless i mean i've really only kind of in the last sort of six months even started getting into dance music in any way shape or form beyond listening to the prodigies kind of best of really um but yeah watching uh so i got home on christmas eve from work and um walked in mum and stepdad there they were doing a sort of music video watch through they were watching uh, a message to you rudy by the specials you know they were kind of doing a bit of an Bang in memoriam up. i suppose and then they put on the video for insomnia uh, by faithless and i was like oh fuck yeah the level of class and just that cool as you say kind of calm that um max jazz just exudes through the screen i mean just so kind of slight and subtle but so commanding at the same time and yeah absolutely when you compare him with you know keith flint and max in reality i mean if you get a song like breeze they're not gonna half up or not half as you know they're not gonna kind of understate it in the way that maxi could do with as much awe inspiring power um yeah feel like it's a band that i need to check out a hell of a lot more and once again it's one of these things where it's like it's a shame that i only really come to this realization in the passing of an iconic member but um yeah shout out max jazz um the music that i've heard of yours was fucking superb Mm, it is. I mean, I bought uh, last year. I think it was my 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 mate Mark is my, my best mate. Is like he loves Faithless, and I bought him Sunday eight pm on vinyl wow. uh, for Christmas last year, um, which he was happy about. And we put it on, and I was like, God, I don't think I've ever listened to this album all the way through before. Mm. I don't think I'd actually listened to it, like sat down and properly listened to it. And you know, his presence on it was you know like i say he brings this kind of you almost like it's not much in dance music where you kind of you know when you sort of lean into the stereo mm. and you're like what's he saying what's going on here and he just sort of sucks you in um there's not many people who do that in dance music and no. you know just the look and the sound his voice the kind of calm he brought to that band um just gave him something which i don't think anyone else had so it is really sad uh like i said i actually asked merle he sent me this to say something because he is a massive 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 fan mm -hmm. he was really upset about it um he sent me this he said maxi jazz was a soul of faithless and a true icon in a dance scene that produced some of the uk's most exciting and innovative sounds of the 90s his calm considered but powerful delivery made him a magnetic figure whilst his effortlessly cool passionate onstage presence helped turn faithless into one of british music's most electric live bands his buddhist beliefs poetic turn of phrase and willingness to lay his innermost demons bare enabled him as a compelling lyric writer and as much as rollo and sister bliss's mastery of monstrous electronic hook crafted faith is as big as hits it was maxi's words that elevated those songs into all-time classics 
Beyond all that, he was, by all accounts, a kind, thoughtful and compassionate man. A diehard supporter of his beloved Crystal Palace, he became associate director of the club in 2012 and was honoured by the team when they walked out to Insomnia, Faithless's definitive song following his death. For electronic music, fans of a certain generation, Maxi Jazz was a legend of the genre, and while he decided to abstain from appearing on Faithless's recent, most recent album, 2020's All Blessed, telling fans on Instagram that he believed Faithless had had our day, he kept his passion for music very much alive, courtesy of his funk, soul and blues band, the E-Type Boys. As a fan for whom Faithless were a pivotal force within my journey into discovering dance music, Maxi no longer being with us is a deeply sobering and saddening thought. Thankfully, his contributions to British music will long outlast us all. All the subtle flavours of my life are become bitter seeds and poison leaves without you. Cheers, Mel. I appreciate Beautiful that. And R.I.P. Maxi Jazz. Yeah. Um, lovely words. Um, anyway, let's move on. 2023. 2022's gone. It's fucking gone. Forget Fuck it. Off, it's over. Wanker. It's done. You piss off. Um, so, broadly, like, we're not going to do a sort of look forward to the year and the, just, just, I don't, not interesting for anyone particularly is it but there are a few things i'm a little bit excited about for 2023 that i want to give a quick shout out to mm. before we get going and i thought i'd ask you the same thing sam is there anything that you know that is on the horizon that you are like oh i want that yes so i have got uh five albums that i'm desperately looking forward to um so i've got three smaller ones and then two big ones because you know sometimes you can be excited by the prospect of new music from big artists so uh just quickly rattle through um st ps naked Invasion will be releasing their third lp um really cannot wait for that i think um you know that their second album caprice on chante was my favorite album of 2019 i still stand by that i thought it was absolutely fucking brilliant i can't wait to see what they do next um the Davy creature lp you know they were my favorite ep of 2022 i'm looking forward to seeing what they do how they kind of innovate and push further onto a new record um there's gonna be a new swans album is there really a mind that is um you know not date confirmed but it is confirmed because as michael Gira has done for the last well over a decade he sort of crowdfunds his releases so released a kind of demo album last year the full thing comes out this year um i'm really really looking forward to uh, songs of a lost world by the cure it will be the first cure album that has come out mm -hmm. since i've been a fan of them so that's going to be pretty monumental for me and definitely particularly now it's got a release date i cannot wait for march the 17th when we finally get to hear memento more by Depeche Mode. I say finally, you know, it's not been that long since they even mooted the idea of new music. But I think hearing the first bit of new music from Depeche Mode in a post-Andy Fletcher world is going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be really quite sobering. Um, I'm really curious to see what they do. And they are, you know, they are such a massive band. Um, and really, I mean, their last brilliant album was Playing the Angel. But I've liked everything they've ever done to a greater or lesser degree um you know i think there were some great singles on both spirit and um delta machine yeah. so even if we just get two bangers it's like i don't care i just want more depeche mode in my life so yeah those are my five mm. quick picks nice good yeah i mean i would echo the cure and depeche yeah. mode massively not that i'm you know saying anything about the others that i you know i think that'd be cool as well but uh yeah i mean there's a few like smaller bands that i'm interested in stuff for i mean i want to shout out Ern. i know Ern yeah. uh, have been in the studio with joe de plantier um and you know if, if joe de plantier can stick a little bit of that gajira magic on what is already probably the best straight ahead metal yeah. band doing the rounds at the moment i think that album's going to be fucking Can't great fucking wait uh, the two songs i've heard from narrowhead Mm. Uh, back on Riot Act, we reviewed their last album, and it was a bit of that kind of 
90s all rock shoegazy type thing they've added um a bit of deftones to the two songs that Ooh. i've heard it's got a bit it, it reminds me of like a kind of sitting between deftones and something like jawbox uh that um that kind of discord records thing but done with a shoegazy more metallic approach i think um I think there's a very good chance that album will be a bit of us. I am very, very intrigued. I liked the Narrowhead album. I got it on the uh, the Holy Raw subscription back when that record label still yeah. existed. I remember really enjoying it. So if they're adding a bit more kind of metal edge, you know, a bit more Deftones, yeah, sign me right up. Yeah, on the on the more poppy side of stuff, Ellie Dixon, I imagine, I hope, fingers crossed, will have a debut album out this mm. year. Uh, Ellie Dixon has been putting music out since 2016. She's done a few singles over that time. Her recent single that came out at the end of last year is called Swing Swing, and it basically just sort of sounds like Lily Allen, oh, okay. Ernie Lily Allen. And um, some of you might go, <laughs> that, but that first Lily Allen album good. is is really really great and i think that um i am currently at the moment a right sucker for just very very sugary ott cartoonish pop music mm. and ellie dixon writes really good songs in that vein in that kind of like sweet girl lily allen early lily allen you know guitar new wavy pop sort of style brought up to the modern era so i hope we get a full-length Ellie Dixon album out this year. Um, two that I did not expect to be bringing in, and these are the last two. I brought them in because I am so shocked by both of mm. them. Um, one a bit more than the other, to be honest. <laughs> Hundred Reasons. Yeah, who saw that right? come in? What the <laughs> fuck has happened to Hundred Reasons? They are a band again. Yeah. And not just a band. They are a fucking they're a good band again. Hundred Reasons have released three songs in the last year. With a view, I'm guessing for a, for a new album coming out this year, and they are comfortably, comfortably the best things that Hundred Reasons have done since Ideas of Our Station. Yeah. I, and I know, like a lot of people have said this to me. I've heard a lot of people say it, or I say a lot of people, not loads of people, are talking about Hundred Reasons. But surely Hundred Reasons were had even ten years ago had descended into just the nostalgia circuit mm. i've seen them playing ideas above their station in full three times Fuck it now. i saw them do it twice in 2012 and once in 2014 right so even going back what's that now 11 years mm. they seem to have resigned themselves to the nostalgia circuit i interviewed larry hibbert before sonosphere in 2014 when they played that album in yeah. full and i said to him like oh you know you're gonna be doing any you know you're looking forward to and he was he could not have been more bored with the idea of doing 100 reasons i've never heard i genuinely have never interviewed a musician less interested in their own band than larry hibbert was at the prospect of going out and playing 100 reasons songs in front of loads of people and i was like well i probably just don't bother doing it mate if you're going to be like this <laughs> but apropos of fucking nothing like again you know we've been waiting a few years for this 20th anniversary mm. of them playing ideas above our station and i thought 100 reasons were just gonna be like a bit of a joke like ah, ha, ha, there they come playing that one album that they've yeah, got yeah. and you know remus and cerebra uh playing that and then fucking off for 10 5 10 years and then coming back and playing it mm. again until they die but they've released three really good songs they have indeed who who fucking saw that coming in the year of our lord 2023 yeah i'm really looking forward to this uh 100 reasons band i only really got to 
mm, last sort of four or five years, I'd say, you know, when I was kind of getting into that mm. uh, naughties British post-hardcore stuff. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think this is the best stuff they've done since Ideas. Um, yeah, yeah, really looking forward to that one. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm, I know. I mean, if they... It's pretty crazy, that. But in even more shocking mm. news, and I can tell you for a fact that this is a comeback of sorts, right? Because... There's hundred reasons just not doing anything, mm. and then there's making actively bad music <laughs> for decades. And In Flames have been making actively bad music for well over a decade mm. now, right? They have been bad, like not even oh, it's not up to their old standards or anything. For anybody's standards, like Battles by In Flames is 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 awful. It's a fucking awful record. I have heard and reviewed Foregone, the new In Flames album. I'm not going to tell you what I gave it in Metal Hammer, although I was pretty positive about it. I am a little bit loath to go too much into it now. But In Flames have made an In Flames album. Fucking finally. Like, this is not hyperbole. I'm not going to sit here and go... Oh, you know, oh, they've never sounded better. And da 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 da. da. Honestly, I was I was ready to. I got I got sent it. I was like, here we go. I've not I've not added. I've not given something a kick in for ages. <laughs> I'm probably gonna give. I'm probably gonna give this a kick in. And I put it on, and I was like, this is quite. It's actually much better than I expected it to be. And sort of five or six listens in, I was like, oh god, this is really good. And it actually gets better with every new listen. So. In Flames might be back. Oh, we'll see, won't we? I mean, that, you know, as you say, if 100 Reasons is a surprise, I mean, In Flames producing anything of worth after, what, Reroute to Remain? Would you say that's the last sort of, like, really good one? Mm. Or is that the first bad one? I forget. Come Clarity. Come Clarity. Come oh, Clarity right, is good. Come Clarity is 2006, and that's good. And I even think A Sense of Purpose has got some all right songs on it. Sounds of a Playground Fading was the first time where I was like, I... Like I'm, I'm not getting anything from this at right. all. And then uh, Siren Charms is pretty fucking bad. Battles is terrible, and I thought either Mask was just boring. Um, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm not really that big on In Flames. Like I'd say, sort of in extreme metal, certainly death metal tends to be the subgenre I'm most picky with. I kind of like a bit of mellow death, but when I say that, I basically like at the gate. So I've never massively got on with In Flames, but you know, if this is a return to form, I will certainly give it the old college try and I'll be very interested. But yeah, I mean, biggest shock of the 2020s so far. I mean, it's behind the Capitol riots maybe, but that's about it, I think. <laughs> yeah, just about, yeah. yeah. Um, oh no, it's mad. It's a fucking good album. Like anyway, cool. we'll review it and I'll go into it properly, but it's, it's good. Um, speaking of good albums, Let's get into this. Yeah. Uh, we do have 10, um, n not t 10 albums in 2022 we can talk about, but this is a brand new album just dropped yesterday. So we've been able to kind of chuck it in. Um, luckily, it's only sort of 33 minutes long. It's a 19th studio album from the Godfather of Punk, Iggy Pop. It's called Every Loser, the follow up to 2019's free album, which was all right. I think Iggy's been on a decent run of form. I particularly like post pop depression. I think that is a really, really good record. Really, really good. Um, I think he's been on pretty good form. And this album features contributions from the likes of Duff McKagan, Chad Smith, and the late Taylor Hawkins of Foo Fighters as well. It does indeed. Um, 
It does. Uh, Sam, what's your relationship with Iggy Pop? Just because there might be people who aren't aware of it. Uh, I would say kind of... That's not... That made it sound like you have some sort of incestuous weird relationship. <laughs> I'm just kind of outing we... you for like bumming Iggy Pop or something. Like That's not what I meant. I just meant, do you like Iggy well, Pop? Well, you know, I mean, it, it, you lose touch with friends. You know, we, I text, you know, he's busy, etc. Yeah, we haven't seen each other for a while. But uh, but in terms of his album... He's on the beach, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, classic. Absolutely lad. Getting, getting high on his own supply. Uh, yeah, in terms of Iggy albums. So I looked through uh, his entire back catalogue and I was... Uh, I could pick out these albums that I definitely know quite well. So... Uh, the whole of the Stooges, obviously, particularly Raw Power, Funhouse, and The Weirdness. They're the three I know kind of best, obviously. The latter yep. for crap pop reasons. Um, and then I know The Idiot and Lust for Life really, really well from 1977. Mm-hmm. Particularly listening to the Train Spotting soundtrack kind of introduced me to Iggy Pop's back catalogue when I was in the early days of secondary school. Uh, I know Blah 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 from 1986, one of his many David Bowie collaborations. And then the last yep. new thing that I heard from him before this was Post Pop Depression, which I remember really, really enjoying. Mm-hmm. But to be mm-hmm. honest, I didn't realise how much Iggy Pop solo stuff I'd missed. I had no idea this was his 19th solo album. Oh yeah, man, he's pretty prolific. Yeah. I would say he's pretty prolific, Iggy Pop. And like I said, I think he's been on a pretty good um, run for a while now. I mean, it feels weird because like Beat Him Up was two thousand one. I mean, I do like that, and that is a good record. But you know, that was um, you know that's coming up twenty two years now, really, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. I suppose. Uh, I mean, I like American Caesar from nineteen ninety three, probably because it was the first Iggy Pop album that I kind of got into when I was a kid. But then from two thousand nine, you've got Preliminaries. At Prey in 2012, Post Pop Depression, Free in 2019, and now Every Loser mm. in 2023. So it's not like super prolific, but I think all of those albums are in their own way pretty mm-hmm. good, with po- Post Pop Depression being the one that I enjoyed the most because, you know, I like Iggy when he's doing um, that new thing that he's doing, which is, you know, being a bit more kind of louchy, um, uh, almost sort of spoken word. Mm. William Burroughs sort of poetic over this sort of post-punky wash of Americana guitar. It's a sort of bluegrassy thing. I think I think that, that he's good at doing that. He's got really good at doing that. He is really good at doing that. And like when I first put this album on, I mean, so when Frenzy, the first track comes in, I was like, bloody hell, a 75-year-old has mm. no right to have this much vim and kind of vibrance and vitality. It sounds fucking great. It's just an excellent punk song. But for me, it was... Uh, or it is tracks like New Atlantis, where it, it is that kind of uh, road road worn, kind of weather beaten uh, Americana, as you say. It's basically it's kind of like more straightforward Tom Waits without the weird lilt, because it is that storytelling, that romanticization, sort of shrouded in metaphor, but not so impenetrable as your Tom Waitsy kind of thing. But yeah, when Iggy goes for that, as you say, that kind of like loose, um, I don't know, kind of almost scattershot approach draw. I think that's where he really hits his high point but to be to be fair you got a song like neo punk which is basically a dc hardcore song and he still sounds fucking great on it and then yeah you got the punk stuff in frenzy um it's a really strong album i was stunned i put it on when i was um uh, setting up the pub yesterday morning i was like fucking hell 19 albums mm. in 75 years old there is he's got no right to be this good at this point in his career because you know we think we've spoken quite a lot particularly last year especially in you know, broadly speaking, sort of guitar rock music, the amount of like legacy acts who are churning out stuff that is not good. Ozzy Osbourne, for example, his stuff has not been good yeah. for a long time, but people insist that it is. No, this is really fucking strong. Like if someone said to me, this is one of my favourite Iggy Pop albums, I'd be like, well, I don't know enough to argue, but I, 
I would find it difficult to disbelieve that. I think this is fucking brilliant. This is, you know, a really good way to start the year. I think a song like Strung Out Johnny in particular, that was a bit more of what I expected from him in 2023. And I really like, you know, the kind of refer- reverential and referential as well. Look at his own past with drug abuse, essentially, you know, through this character of Johnny. I thought there was this brilliant little, uh, I think it's the second verse, um, love becomes compul- compulsive, it's wiser to say no, God made me a junkie, but Satan told me so. It's actually quite heartbreaking, but he still delivers it with that kind of wry smile and that, I don't know, sparked out look that you'd see on the cover of Lust for Life. I think it's great. He doesn't get enough credit for being a good lyricist, I don't think, Iggy Pop. Really doesn't. There are some cool... There are also some hilarious lyrics on it. Yeah. Uh, on the song All The Way Down, there's a line, I'm as free as a bird, I'm going to blow up a turd, yeah. which is uh, very, very good. I'm an early contender for the best lyric of 2023, Definitely. I would say. But yeah, it's really good. I mean, you know, like you said, Frenzy, you would... Ne- it's only because it sounds so much like Iggy Pop. Mm. That you go, oh, this is Icky Pop. But you you just wouldn't believe it. Like I put it on and I thought, ah, we'll probably get some of that, you know, more kind of loungy, loush, mm. deep drawled, sort of, like you say, road weary, um, weathered stuff on here, which suits Iggy Pop's voice mm. really well. And I think that still is for me the kind of high watermark of this record. But it is great to hear songs like Frenzy, songs like, um, uh, you know, All the Way Down. And I think actually the final track, The Regency, mm. is incredible. I think that's the best song on the record, actually. Uh, really? It sounds like The Smiths. Like it's got that kind of really, it's not the first time I'm going to compare something to Smiths during the show, actually. But <laughs> no. certainly like, you know, it, it really has that, kind of airy romanticism and lovely wash of guitars from that that someone like Johnny Marr would do. Like it, it really reminded me of like fucking hell, this is the Smiths, but you've <laughs> tagged in kind of weathered, grizzled Iggy Pop for, you know, flowery Morrissey. And I tell you what, I'll take that. I mean, there's a song like Comments as well, mm. which you haven't mentioned. That Peter Hook esque bass yeah. and that synthy part in it as well. Proper like wicked post punk song. It's quite a dynamic record. And, you know, when Iggy does roll back the years on a song like Modern Day Ripoff, which, you know, could be like a Hive song. <laughs> like, it, it, it's it's still really, really good. You know, it's really very, very good. I think hearing him lean and go back into that kind of heavier, harder, punky stuff is really cool. I mean, I'm not sure that I'd want an entire record of no, it, to be honest. No. Because I think he probably, like Cliff Richard, would run out of poop <laughs> at, at, at some point. Um, you know, Cliff just tried, kept, kept the bangers coming, didn't he, on Cliff at Christmas? I mean, fair play to him. He, yeah, ran yeah. Of, he ran out of energy at the end. Was You know, Iggy, it's much more measured. You mm. get one, and then you get a couple of slow ones, and then he's kind of... So I think the fact that, you know, you've got, what is this, a 10-track record? Yeah, 10 tracks in 33 it's, minutes, uh, isn't it? 11 tracks. 11 is tracks it 11? in 33 oh, minutes. Shit. Yeah, although, you know, two of them are in, mm. you know, No News for Andy, uh, sorry, The News for Andy and My Animus are both kind of short, minute, just under, just over a minute long yeah. uh, interlude. So it's really like nine songs. And so I think you get kind of three or four rockers, you get a couple of kind of post-punky ones, and you get a couple of very, very kind of loush, grizzled um, sort of barroom ones mm. as well. And that is a great mix of all the stuff that Iggy Pop does all done well. I 
I think this is great, this record. I think it is great. Shockingly great. Yeah, yeah. I was genuinely taken aback. And actually, um, speaking of the interludes, I would just like to highlight um, the news for Andy because a bit like um, Strung Out Johnny, I think it's a really smart bit of self-referencing and a bit of self-deprecation because it's basically Iggy doing a sort of, um, I don't know, TV advertisement news broadcaster type thing about, yeah. um, you know, get a second opinion on your, you know, kind of uh, your prescription and stuff like that. You don't know what they're putting in you, but, you know, done in a kind of jokey, knowing way. And it's like, well, I feel like he's probably taking the piss of, out of himself for the insurance adverts back in the day that everyone had such a go with him about. It's like, yeah. wrongly, I might add. Um, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He inv basically invented punk, so fuck off. But yeah, I think this is a great album. I think if I had one minor criticism, and I do think it's a really strong album front to back, I would say on... Um, all the way down and comments, I do feel like those songs outstay their welcome ever so slightly, just because I think he's got kind of a clever lyrical phrase that he then kind of draws out a narrative around. But even still, they're great tracks. And, you know, it's all over in just over half an hour. So even if you absolutely hated this, you've not lost much time, but you'd be mad to hate this. Mm. I think this is a great, really strong start to the year. Well done, Iggy. Really good. Really, really good. I mean, I'm probably going to come back to this quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think this is definitely the best thing he's done since post-pop depression which i know is only two albums ago so you know it's not even still but you, know. but you know even still you know that's uh that album is now seven years old mm. so he's in his late 60s when that came out and i was impressed 75 very impressive Mental. for him to do this so there you go uh little surprise iggy pop review every loser it's out now it's actually 36 minutes ah, well. a bit rather than 33 but oh god if you don't know those extra three minutes well, I would the narrative would fall skip, apart. Skip the interludes, God. Uh, right, let's go back to stuff. What came out in 2022 and start. Where else could we start, Sam? Where else could we start? But with the greatest girl band that this country has ever produced. The Lost Tapes by The Sugar Babe. Shock released on Christmas Eve. This is the eighth studio album from the finest girl band ever. But actually, only the second from the original lineup of the classic lineup, if you like, of the Sugar Babes. No shade to Heidi Range, who's an Angels with Dirty Faces. Um, uh, and uh, she's quite good. But really, you know, the kind of the Siobhan, Kesha, Muttia from the debut album. That's what people like. That's the one that people like the most. And then we got it. But weirdly, this is actually... Um, Recorded back in 2014. Yes. After they got back together in 2012. And it's only resurfaced now. So it's a bit of a weird one. I feel like people have been waiting for Sugar Babe's album from that kind of original lineup for a while. Quite a long time, if you consider that, you know, just sort of been off the last few when there was sort of none of them in the band left. Um, but we're not really getting a new, new Sugar Babe's album. We're getting an old, new Sugar Babe's album. Jesus. This, if that makes this sense. This is like the plot of Primer. This is a lot to Isn't follow. It? Yeah. Basically, um, what I'm saying is it's only just resurf resurf resurfaced now, these songs. Yeah. Um, and I think with the rate that pop music moves and with the kind of era that Sugar Babes were from, it isn't really fair to think that what we're going to get with the Lost Tapes is going to be something super contemporary. And it definitely does have some of that um, long lost tropes of popular music from that era that have been that haven't been removed from this version of it things that have sort of gone away now that make me go oh um that's weird mm. but you know it's it's essentially 
new Sugar Babes from the original classic lineup of Sugar Babes. It's a second, really, it's the second ever Sugar Babes album. Really. Um, Anyway, I've said Sugar Babes quite yeah, a lot. I should yeah. probably let you say. You should probably let you say something. So I'm just excited because Sugar Babes. Sugar in Babes it. in it. Well, uh, I'll be. <laughs> I'll be a little more measured. I do like the Sugar Babes. I couldn't call myself a massive fan at all. You know, I like the big singles that everyone knows by Sugar Babes. Um, but I think this album broadly, such as Push the Button in it. That's the big one, mate. Push the That's button. the big one. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all the big hits. All the big hits. You know. Uh, but Push the Button and and others. Their cover and of You Suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Their cover of Shut Me Down from A World Lit Only by Fire. Um, but there are parts of this album that I really, really like. I think you're absolutely right. There are some bits that perhaps you could tell would have been recorded in 2014. I think um, there's a fair few sort of anthemic, club-ready, aspiring songs like Drum, the opening song in Today, uh, I would say, are particularly kind of on-the-nose examples. But then um, I think one of the highlights for me is Summer of 99, which is absolutely based around inspiration from the police. I mean, I did wonder if it might... Isn't I it? wondered if it might be a sample that I didn't know, to be honest, because it is so police, but that's not a bad thing in my book at all. Um, well, they did actually do... Uh, they did actually do um, a song with... Uh, with Sting back in the day, didn't they? Did they? I've not heard that one. Okay, they did. Yeah. I'll, I'll take so your word for it. On. Was that between or yeah. before or after the Justin Broderick collaboration? That was, <laughs> um, yeah, that's an alternate universe, unfortunately, Sam, that none of us live oh, in. Oh, God. Well, I do, and I'm very happy here. So <laughs> that's good, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, do I need 50 minutes of Sugar Babes in 2022 going into 2023? I don't think I do. But I think there's enough here that I would happily go back to. There's a fair few good, you know, strong songs. I mean, to be honest, drum, even though I like the kind of feel of it, I feel it's a little bit too repetitive to justify. It's quite curt length I love it anyway. when you beat that drum. Love it, love it, beat that drum. Love it when I yeah, beat that yeah, Love yeah. it when I beat that drum. Love it. Mate, that's fucking great. It's good. I think it goes on a little bit long for my taste. It's good, but it's not great. You sound like Roy Walker from Catchphrase. <laughs> see what you see now. He doesn't know that. Is I he? do he know who he is. Get him. I've seen Phoenix yeah. Nights. Come on. Someone's been watching Lemmy. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Yeah, absolutely. You've turned the weeds against yeah. us. Um, yeah, <laughs> I like this. I don't think it's anything spectacular, um, but I would imagine if you are a diehard Sugar Babes fan, like you are, and like I feel you're about to go Hello. off... Uh, you'd probably be really, really yeah. happy with this. So go on, Steve. Tell me why I'm wrong and tell me why this is actually no, the no, album no. of the year for I, 2022. I, I, yeah, well, because... Take that, Kendrick. Uh, just a p- pure bias. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to revise my album of the year list. Thank you. See you later, Billy Woods. Apart from this. Uh, drum is brilliant. Flatline is a nice sort of poppy rock song. I'm on board. Summer 99, like you mentioned, has that police thing yeah. before. I love the guitar riff. Like, it really does sound like a kind of you know what it sounds like the police um i think boys that kind of old school synth pop banger of the highest order i feel like they're rolling back the years even beyond the years that they'd already wrote that we're already having to roll back from because you know this was made in 2014 and then it gets a little bit eggy and a bit there's a bit of a mid-album slump i think yeah Um, so when i was listening to this it did take me back to the discussion we were having around belinda carlisle where i think this still kind of psychologically comes from an era where pop albums are a vehicle for singles with some filler around them basically yeah metal heart has a chorus that is a bit eggy doesn't work for me there's a few slow ones um 
that I don't think do much. Like today's quite good, but it does sound like it's composed in 2011. It's got that pop grime beat and euphoric trance thing to it. And the chorus is a bit better, but it's not great. It feels like it's a little bit wasted. It sounds a little bit dated. Um, I like Victory. Again, though, it does sound a bit dated. Um, but it sounds like Pass Out by Tiny Temper. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, that 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 when everything sounded a bit like that, mm. and I was like, "Oh shit, I've not heard anything really sound like this for ages." And you can tell. I think you can just tell. Yeah, it's a good song, you know. Like it shouldn't really be a problem. I think that's quite a good song, but it is quite. But it it just really, it, you know, it sounds a bit harsh. I thought we were saying with Street Grease, where you go, "Oh, harking back to a time that we liked," and this is harking back to a time that we didn't that I didn't really care for so much. But I think, you know, it's an all right song, but it does sound like they've just nicked a fucking tiny temper <laughs> B-side, <laughs> you know. Um, and I'm All Right is is quite good as well. Starts like Yes, ends up like Mark Ronson. I mean, that breakbeat style thing, again, it's a bit late 90s, a bit late noughties. Yeah. Um, I'm always a sucker for a breakbeat though, to be fair. I'll give him that. I was all right I do, that. yeah. I actually quite like that sort of style. So I think that's quite good and it's back on mm. it. Um, back in the day, it's got a sweet closer. Speaks to me. It's talking about how things used to be better. No, they did. <laughs> they actually did. Yeah. Um, hue and cry. Need I say more? <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, look, I think this is decent enough. Yeah. I think this is realistically all you could have expected from Sugar Babes, really. Ten-year-old material from a group who haven't been around for a long time, with some, and it's some good songs. It's enough. It's enough for me to go, cool, fine, some of that's good. Whack Drum in the set list. Whack Summer in 99 in the set list. Whack Boy in the set list. Like, there's enough in there. If you go and see Sugar Babes live, you chuck them all in. They're not ever going to be the fucking absolute. They're not. It's not going to be freak like me or like say push the button or round round or anything like that. You know, there's not going to be that. But I think considering there has been this massive, like, upsurge in popularity for the Sugar Babes, and I think they just were like, "Oh fuck it, we've not written anything." But you know, everyone would, they had to shut the, had to police tape off the tent. Or the field they were playing in in Glastonbury because so many people wanted to go and see oh, them. Oh fuck! And then they sold out. They sold out their show at the O2 in like ten seconds. So I think everyone suddenly like, oh my god, the original Sugar, and they were probably just like, fuck it, put it out. Yeah, fuck it, put it out. So there's a reason that these songs didn't come out in 2014. Surely. Yeah, I, people did not care. Right? I would imagine. People didn't care, and they probably weren't like, you know, like they maybe weren't like super happy with it that's what that's what i'm reading between the lines because yeah, i could you know um so for them to now put it out makes me think that you know they're 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 just sort of capitalizing on this you know surge in popularity that's absolutely fine yeah. go in the studio and write some new stuff and actually make a good album yeah do something better than atomic like a really good that's that's the gauntlet well, this is better than Atomic Kitten. Oh, come on, mate. Cheeky cunt. <laughs> Atomic Kitten. For Destiny's Child, anyway. Um, well, what, to Atomic Kitten? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've yeah. heard many things to Atomic Kitten. Who doesn't? Like, like the threat of you stamping on my testicles if I don't like an album from the 90s. <laughs> I prefer that to Atomic Kitten. Yeah, Atomic Kitten aren't no, good, mate. No. <laughs> um, 
This, this, Nostalgia in it, like, you know. It is like going, it's like going, oh, I've been found a lost Nirvana album. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's better than Days of the New. Of course it will be. Uh, anyway, The Lost Tapes by Sugar Babes is out now. Go and have a little listen to that. Uh, here's one that we missed. Unison Life by Brutus. A lot of people saying that we should have covered this. Mm. Third studio album from the Belgian post-hardcore trio, the follow-up to their 2019 album Nest, which I remember being very good. This came out in October last year. We missed it, didn't we, we Sam? Did. We actually missed yeah, it. I, Sorry about that, everyone. Yeah, soz, guys. This was one we were going to try and slot into a show where we could, and we just never found the time, actually, because, um, I mean, mm. I don't I don't recall your thoughts in full, but I do remember you being positive, as you said. You know, you thought Nest was very good. I thought Nest was pretty fucking spectacular. I thought that the high points on that were absolutely staggering songs like fire uh django war sugar dragon thought they were absolutely amazing um and i've seen brutus uh i think i've only seen him live twice since that album was released and they were absolutely spellbinding really really impressive really yeah yeah genuinely thought they were brilliant so first on outdoors uh at 2000 trees and then i saw them i'm pretty sure it was a bill that was a.a williams brutus and cult of luna so i mean like that was a a hefty night but um yeah absolutely brilliant live band and uh, Unison Life, I would say, is broadly more of the same as Nest, but a bit further refined. It, um, mm. yeah, keeps up the pace with those kind of superb ethereal rock bangers. It's got the kind of woozy intro with Miles Away. And then it just, you know, heads off into a rollicking ebb and flow of Brutus doing the kind of quieter and then really fucking, like, I don't know, punchy stuff that they do so well. I think... Stephanie's percussion and vocals really helms that kind of push and pull between the soft, quiet, shoegazy stuff and the, the more hardcore leaning of the post-hardcore stuff. They never go hardcore, you know, they're not like minor threat or anything like that. Um, I, th- I just think it's a really strong album. I don't think there's a high point as high as there was on Ness, but I think it's probably more consistent. For me, I think the highlight would be, uh, however, the, the one-two of What Have We Done and Dust, because I think they really showcase the kind of delicate balance they do between this kind of lithely muscular songs and really, really delicate and beautiful stuff. Um, yeah, I'm very, very happy with this. I'm sorry I didn't listen to it sooner in kind of, well, more earnestly, because, uh, yeah, I really like Brutus, and I'm glad to see they've done another album that I really, really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing with this is, is you mentioned a bunch of songs from Nest, and I remember I was very positive about Nest, and I was very positive about uh, whatever the first one was called as well, back in the day. Yeah. And I've always been like, oh my God, this band are really good. And then I just never listened to them again. Oh, really? I review it, and I just never, ever listen to it again. I go, oh yeah, they're good, but I don't actually listen to it. And so I, I can't say I was actually kind of actively excited about it because I hadn't really thought about it yeah, at all because I just don't really think about them. But um, but as a as a as an idea, you know, it is a good idea. Kind of very very uh, expansive post hardcore, if you like, um, with a really really incredible vocal. I mean, she has got a great voice. She's, she's wonderful. Yeah. She has got an absolutely brilliant voice. I mean, I have to say, I didn't care much for the opening couple of songs, to be honest. But oh, I think really? it's when the that more indie guitar part comes in on Victoria. I was grabbed a lot more tightly than I had before. There's stuff on it that does that. There's stuff like you you mentioned the song Dust, which has a lot more kind of just straight ahead punk mm. rock energy. Um, and I know that the thing that people like about this band are the more kind of expansive and ethereal moments from them. That's when they lose me. That's when I find myself being like, just give me a chorus. Do you know what I mean? I don't really um, 
I, I'm more impressed with it than I am sort of engaged with it, to be honest. You go, God, hasn't she got a good voice? And isn't this like, a, a, you know, a, an excellently produced sound that they're making? But I don't know that I particularly want to listen to it myself personally. Like, I like them when they go kind of double time mm. or a bit more jangly and it feels like there's a, a bit more immediacy and a bit more hook to it i would like to see them do <laughs> i nearly said go like taking back sunday or something that's not really what no. i mean but i would like to see i would like to see if they if they could if they reach a point where you know th these songs aren't long you know i mean i mentioned dust which i think is cool and that's one of the longest songs mm. on the record but um i don't know man like i i think occasionally I don't think they need to meander quite as much. I think they're much right. Like Touche and Moore don't do that. No. You no. know, I don't think Touche, like I would, I would like to hear, you know, Stephanie fronting a more Touche and Moore version of Brutus. And I think there's bits here that remind me of that, but there's also things where it all gets a little bit slow. It all gets a little bit languid and I just don't really think it goes anywhere. And it's all right. You know, like I think that's probably, Again, more down to taste. Uh, maybe I'm losing my ability to uh, hold my things, you know, have my attention span is decreasing. Maybe, I don't know. But I did find myself getting a bit like sort of uh, distracted by the more languid stuff on here. And I like it when they kind of go full pelt and then they're good. They are, and they are good. They're not not good. Yeah, just, it's just not necessarily I, your I, thing at the moment. It's not the thing you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that. And to be fair, with Brutus, I do prefer when they're a little bit more brash and spiky, kind of in relative terms. Mm. I mean, my favourite Brutus song would still be War from Nest. And I think that actually does what Brutus do as an entire band so brilliantly in a really short space of time where it does start out really quiet and, you know, quite woozy. And then it hits this double time, just absolute break at the end before it gets this glorious, I don't know, quite stirring crescendo that is the kind of the apex of what they do i think um and as i say i think i think this album is probably more consistent than nest but i'd say it's consistently of a kind of lower level than those high points um yeah i i know what you mean about the kind of more meandering territory i think it works as a kind of foil to what they do when they are doing the more punky stuff but maybe they could do with a bit more of that to i don't know really make each each part hit a bit harder i would be interested to see what they do for album four because i feel like this is a refinement of what they've been doing for the last two albums. I think I'd be a bit disappointed if we got even more of the same. I would like to hear them go for a slightly different direction next time. But to be honest, I yeah. just like Brutus. I like the sound that they make. So I'm not going to be massively disappointed whatever they do next. I think they've got potential to be like a big band. I think so, you know? yeah. I think they've got potential to be, because I think she, uh, Stephanie, has such a great voice yeah. that you think that that would grab people, right? So I think what they they, they can't, do that dull post-rock stuff if they're gonna if if they want to become a bigger band mm. they might not right but if they do want to become a bigger band i think they gotta drop that kind of meandering slow paced glacial shit out personally and do something more instantaneous Fair I, I think that would suit them better uh but anyway a lot of people liked it um so you enjoy that uh, <laughs> unison life by brutus that is uh that's out um as is we again we were going to we were going to review this this is what we do by left field the fourth studio album from 
Neil Barnes and Adam Wren, who replaced founding member Paul Daly when uh, Leftfield reformed in 2010, a.k.a. Leftfield. Again, mm. as I've already mentioned their name earlier on in the show in relation to being one of the most pioneering artists from the dance music boom of the 1990s in this country that we were talking about with Faithless. Um, this came out at the start of December. We probably would have reviewed it where we were reviewing things in December, but we we're doing all the New Year-y yeah. stuff. Uh, so we didn't really get a chance to cover it. But it is the second album after a reformation which is always a bit of a task i mm. think that is thin ice particularly when paul daly is not in the back like you know is this really left field i mean look, i'm not going to get into it too much it is by name but <sighs> oh here he is the sugar baby still is speaks. well yeah but you know what i mean like, i think if you're a pair yeah. it's, it's hard to replace one of a two like you couldn't take chris tennant out of pet shop boys no. and you couldn't take um <laughs> hugh from hugh and cry <laughs> uh they're not even called hugh oh. but you know what i mean like it's, it's when you're a duo getting losing one it's quite difficult i think so i know there's been a bit of like grumbling regarding that so i just wanted to sort of mention it um i've never actually listened to alternative light source which is their 2015 comeback album but the first two left field albums, particularly Leftism from 1993, which I think of the two, now three that I've heard, is comfortably their best album, Ooh. are very good. Really, really good. Um, do you know much about left field, Sam? Are you a, are you a fan? Are you a, a, got anything to say about them before we get, jump into uh, it? Before we jump in, no. I'd literally heard their name maybe about three weeks before this album came out. Um, as I say, dance music is something that I'm still putting a tentative toe into the water of. Uh, I suppose, mm -hmm. maybe spoiler alert, it turns out I like left field would be my, my right, kind of... Okay, well, if you like yeah, this, yeah. fuck me. You want to get leftism on the yeah, go, mate, because that is an absolute rager of an album. Yeah, oh, that's good. I mean, um, this is a decent enough throwback to what they used to do, okay, I think. Okay. It doesn't really do much that I would consider cutting edge or contemporary by today's standards. I think if you're a fan of that era of music, which I am, or if you're a fan from that time, which I am, and you kind of want to stay there, which I don't actually know if I do, then I think you'll enjoy this. I think you'll enjoy this a lot. I think it's a good record. I think it gets better with a few listens. First time I listened to it, I was like, I'm not so sure about this. Three or four listens in, I find myself going, actually, yeah, this is cool because it just sounds like that thing, what I like. Um, the stuff on it, like Heart and Soul, which is a wicked synthy pumper. I like that a lot. Brian Chatton from Fontaine's DC, yep. rocking up on Full Way Round is cool too. Bit of an upgrade from John Lydon. Uh, it isn't actually, but you, you know, as a person it is. But like, because John Lydon's on Leftism ah, and Open Up, which I think is probably their biggest song uh, and is absolutely fucking incredible song as well. But um, yeah, you know, like this is good. This is a good sort of throwback electro dance 90s record. Mm slightly updated for a modern audience a bit like the last chemical brothers album which i thought was quite good but is not their best work fair i mean so as someone who doesn't know much really about this scene um i really really enjoyed basically all of this i mean i'd say on my first listen it took until uh full way round comes in the, the song with green chatham from um fontaine's dc which i really really liked uh, it's funny you know talking about the kind of contemporaneous throwback of street grease and to a lesser extent sugar babes as well in terms of what we enjoy because it does feel like that kind of 
prodigy by way of like acid jazz rave sort of thing going on but through a 2022 filter really like that i liked the airy feel of make a difference with um lem sisse the poet i thought that was a really cool counterpart to the more sort of heavy hitting stuff which to be fair was the stuff i was more drawn to immediately like song like city of synths as soon as that's well as soon as i saw the title i was like well i'm probably gonna like that yeah. aren't i and then when it came in i was like yes i do like that a lot um i think it's really cool especially that song with that more kind of like dub based bounce i would say it's got a bit more of a lilt mm-hmm. to it that i think is superb i think pulse sounds like could be sort of a, a, a b-side from jilted generation machines like me is a little bit like a kind of relaxed daft punk from the sort of like late 90s great fine with that and then the the like mega dancey one, uh, particularly Accumulator, that really hit the mark for me. Yeah, I I am a left field fan apparently, so I need to go and listen to their other stuff. If you're saying that this is, would you say this is kind of the the bottom of the three? You know, yeah. Okay, definitely. I need to go and listen to all of their other stuff. Yeah. Then I think this is great. Uh, I mean, like I say, you know, they are a band who have um, one absolutely phenomenal record in leftism i think you know one absolutely sort of all-time genuine classic record rhythm and stealth from 99 is also very very good and that's got um what's the fucking it's got the guinness advert on it as well it's got that on it as well um and you know like i like i say i alternative light source i i haven't i haven't listened to that so i don't know you know, I, I don't know if that's. Um, I mean, to be honest, if, any if this is their weakest album, I'm going to have a bloody lovely couple of weeks over the next fortnight or whatever. Because yeah, I really, really like this. Um, and maybe it's because I am so new to kind of dance music generally. I mean, maybe, maybe for everyone else, this is old hat and a bit trite. But I thought this was great. Really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it is good. Um, I think it is good. I mean, look, I I liked it. Uh, I do. Uh, yeah, you know, I I I I did actually like when it was on. Mm. I was like, this is really, really good. I guess because I um, was sort of aware of, you know, the the other stuff. Yeah. Um, you can't forget what you I already probably, know. I was probably like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm sort of more familiar with that and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's good. Mm. It is good. Like, again, I sound like I'm being a bit sort of like, eh, about it. But I actually think it's it's got some wicked stuff on it. It's just not... Um, I find it hard to think that if I was to put left field on, I would put this on. Like, I don't listen to them loads, but would I, would I go, you know, they've got four albums. I still don't feel like this has made me go, I'm definitely going to go and listen to Alternative Light Source. I might do, but um, I'm more likely to just go back to leftism fair. forever, I reckon. Well, that's fine. That is fair um, enough, mate. But anyway, you know, it's, it's pretty good. This is what we do by Left Field is out now as is and has been out for a while and we had a lot of people saying that this was you know album of the year and stuff big thief dragon new warm mountain i believe in you the fifth studio album from the u.s alt rock folk rock band released in february mm. of last year recorded over five months and five locations across the united states of america i never listened to this band before all i really know about big thief is they took ithaca out on tour in 2019 which was really really cool uh, I thought it was really cool for a band like them to take out a heavy young British band, which is great. I saw a few people saying that this was their album of the year, as mentioned yep. on our poll. I mean, it did really well. We kind of totted up the uh, the album of the year thing um, for the readers. This was pretty high. And that gave me 
a very high level of expectation for it. And I think it's probably an album that I need to listen to more. But broadly speaking, this is fucking excellent. Uh everything you've just said times two basically yeah all i knew about them was that they were the band that took out ithaca which was really cool and i know that it confused a lot of people uh particularly in big thief's audience i think part of Ithaca's audience as well would have been confused by it but apparently resounding success i'm all for mixed bills so that's cool yeah saw this getting a lot of plaudits um yeah i would say this has lived up to the kind of weighty expectation that were you know preceded it before i listened to it i definitely need to spend more time with this but i think this is a really, really impressive album. Multi-layered to fuck. I think there is so much that needs digging into. Um, and when, you know, I was a little, I don't know, having got into that Richard Dawson album particularly, that you know, that came out tail end of last year, getting a bit more into yeah. some more folksy stuff, less on the Americana end, a little bit more on the kind of, I don't know, I suppose more European end. When Change came in, I did think, is this going to be an hour and 20 minutes of quite kind of floaty Americana? Because I'm not sure that I can deal with that. But then you get the uh, kind of a bit less airy, a little bit more fractured song like Time Escaping um, with all those twinkling plucked instruments, the vocal ad-libs, and this got a weird like maddening tumbling of percussion underneath it and underneath um, Adrian Lenker's beautiful vocals. They're so warm and so expressive, even though they're always quite slight. No, never never really get into a kind of full volume, I don't know, full-throated thing, but it doesn't need it. Um, but yeah, this album's brilliant. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I love Spud Infinity, that jaw harp against the fiddle and acoustic guitars, even though it is more Americana folk, which I don't tend to go towards. And it is a bit more straight ahead than the stuff that's come before it. I think it's absolutely brilliant, even though it does immediately recall to mind, to me, something rubbish like L the Lumineers or something like that. But this is actually, <laughs> this is a good version of that. This isn't like Ho Hey by fucking Noah and the Whale or whatever, or whoever wrote that song. That might have been Lumineers. I don't know. Um, I think Sparrow would be a massive highlight for me, that gorgeous, like, lilting waltz of a ballad. I think broadly, as the album kind of ebbs and flows between basically Americana and slightly more dour indie, it's certainly the latter that I'm more drawn towards, but I think this is incredibly strong. I, yeah, definitely going to be listening to this a lot more over the next few years. I feel like this is one of those albums where a lot of people say about, like, Crack the Sky by Mastodon. It's like, it's a bit much. I'm not sure I've really got a handle on it. I can tell it's good, but I don't know quite why. I feel like this is one that I'm going to be going back to for a fair few years, and, you know, finally it'll, it'll click with me, and I'll be like, yeah, fucking hell, this is a masterpiece. But I'm already, you know, really taken with it. Well, I mean, the fact that it came out in February yeah. last year means that I know that a lot of you listening are like, we are way ahead of you. And for whatever reason, you know, I just never got around to this. And I did think, oh, I should probably listen to this at some point. You know, 20 tracks, 80 minutes. I did look at it and I was like, you know, it's the longest yeah. thing that we're going to be talking about this week. Um, but even at an hour and 20 minutes and 20 tracks, it is such a lovely little record. Mm. You just enjoy being in the company of this band on a surface level, before we even get into the, you know, ingenious, unusual guitar parts. I mean, I think that time escaping, the little riff on that, the kind of weird little riff mm. for, um, for, for what is, you know, kind of ostensibly like a folk Americana record. And you would think that would be not particularly musically challenging or interesting. And I suppose challenging is maybe a little bit over the top but it's certainly unusual it's certainly not the type of thing that you would necessarily 
assume you're going to hear from this this record and you know i think um uh agn lenker's vocals throughout are beautiful yeah. sweeping you know warm in the right places cold in the right places again you know we talk when we're talking about the dynamics of the iggy pop record this album is sometimes really comforting and soft and pretty and sometimes it's very unusual mm. and odd and quirky sounding and even though that it's not like there are heavy songs and then there are mellow songs and there are progressive songs and then there are short kind of punky fast songs it does feel like dynamically you you do go to a quite a large variety of places mm. and i just liked having it on you know i've not really listened to it and i feel like you i've not listened to it enough to be able to pick out like my favorite song or uh, undoubted highlight or exactly what it's about or where it comes do you know what i mean like all of those things i think are still yet to be revealed to me but in terms of just putting this record on and and having a nice time i think it's a beautiful record i think it's a gorgeous sumptuous lovely engaging moving dynamically interesting just a great record it's a this is a great record and uh, out of everything that we are talking about this week this for me will undoubtedly be the one thing that i will 100 percent undoubtedly go back to yeah without question I'd say until i until i fully get it yeah you know? yeah of the 11 albums that we're covering it's this and iggy pop are the ones i'm definitely going to revisit the most i would say which mm. is not to say that there's other yeah. stuff on here that i don't really really like but i mean this album in particular like iggy pop is one i'll go back to fun this is one i'll go back to because it's like i want to understand the kind of inner workings that have put this together and to be honest yeah i i should have known that i'd love this anyway because it came out on 4ad you know which released all of scott walker's last album so it's like there's a sign of quality mm. lovely stuff yeah, it's well good, that. So there you go. Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. What a mouthful. No. <laughs> From Big Thief. Oh, God. Uh, let's move on and talk about something else, which I have actually been listening to all year. <laughs> and I did want to just talk about it. No one else suggested this, but I was like, we're doing it. The Versions by Nana Cherry, the sixth <laughs> studio album from the legendary British stroke Swedish solo artist, which was released back in June. It is essentially a Nana Cherry tribute album by Nana Cherry yeah. <laughs> with other artists doing her songs with her. Uh, big names including Robin, Sia, Jamelia Woods and uh, Anoni, formerly the lead vocalist of Anthony and the Johnsons, amongst others. So some cool names in here. I have always loved Nana Cherry from back in the day. When I say I love Nana Cherry, really what I mean is I love the album Raw Like Sushi, yeah. which is brilliant. It's got Buffalo Stance on it, which is the greatest song ever made, uh, in my personal opinion. Um so I kind of basically demanded that we do this. Um, didn't have to fight that hard. I did for listen it. to this. No, I didn't. No. To be fair, I didn't. You know, I say I demanded it, but I just said, "Can we do it?" And you went, "Yes." <laughs> um, I mean, look, Buffalo Stance opens this record, mm. and um, it's Robin, Nana Cherry, and Mapai who do a version of Buffalo Stance. Buffalo Stance, as I just said, is the best song ever made, ever made, and. This modern, slow, slinky version of it, to be perfectly honest, is nowhere near as good no. as the original. No. But it's still Buffalo Stance and you can't fuck that up. What? So I What's she like? like? What is she like? <laughs> um, yeah. So I like this album. I, I don't know Nelly Cherry anywhere near as well as you do. I've listened to Raw Light Sushi as an album in full 
maybe three times. I don't think I've listened to any of her other albums in full. I've heard bits and bobs there here and there. Buffalo Stance, I did listen to. After you went on um, track one, side one with Gaz Jones and then have been, you know, shouting about it being the best song of all time ever and anyone who says anything otherwise is wrong and an idiot, I was like, well, mm. I guess I, bet, I guess I better listen to that yeah. then. And it was like, oh, fuck, even though I didn't know that I'd listened to the song sort of of my own volition, I knew it because all of the, particularly the kind of electronic riff and the little brass stabs and everything... That used to be all over kids' TV programming in the sort of mid to late 90s and stuff like that. I remember it from like fucking Smart and stuff like that and maybe even Art Attack. Yeah. It was like, it was everywhere. So I, DJ! Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I knew that song already. So when I put this on and they stripped all of the joy out of Buffalo Stance, I was like, oh no, oh, don't be like that. But I, I would actually say, even though, you know, it is still Buffalo Stance, I'd say as a result, it's probably my least favourite moment of the album because I think all the rest, I mean, some of these songs I know, some of them I don't. I think there's some interesting takes on stuff. I think when it really works, for me, it's uh, Sassy featuring Tyson and Heart with Sudan Archives. I think those two are the real high point of this record for me because I like the lo-fi feel that fits the mood more of a kind of crooning delivery, whereas Buffalo Stance, even though I haven't been listening to it for nearly as long as your good self, I already feel like that song is a part of the fabric of my very being because it is so fucking brilliant. Um ultimately of the originals that i already knew i prefer the originals but you know what nina cherry doing a a tribute album to herself fucking go for it i'm all for that i've got absolutely no problem with it and you know it's not like it's been put out as this like massive big kind of you know oh the new the new album and all that it's just like oh this is the versions of my own songs that i just wanted to kind of maybe update and do with you know some really really highly respected pop artists who like my stuff and it's like if you can get robin and seer on your album you know two of the biggest pop artists or certainly most critically acclaimed anyway not necessarily biggest but uh you know fair fucking play ms cherry i think i think you've earned this one you can have that one yeah and it's not like it just i mean i i sort of looked at it and i was going oh, i wonder if it'll just be stuff from raw like i did wonder of course, you know, yeah. you've got you've got woman which was you know a really really big song back in the day and um i mean you mentioned coochie which is which is from man uh, her third re- record and sassy um which is from homebrew her second record mm. uh i would say those three albums are probably not quite as well not look raw light sushi is w- so wicked. it's a great album uh it's fucking great and i don't think there's loads in 90s Nana Cherry became a bit more um, uh, industrial. Well, st- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it, 90s Nana Cherry became a bit more kind of measured and a bit more sort of, you know, ballady. And you think like seven. I, I expected there to be a cover of Seven Seconds because uh, that's obviously one of her really, really big songs. Mm. Um, but it's not on here. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, I actually enjoy some of the songs on here from the stuff which is not from raw light sushi mm. i mean i think you did you did you mention heart yes i did heart's quite good yeah heart's quite good yeah you said i said coochie i didn't i i was talking about heart but to be fair coochie i thought works oh, fairly sorry, well yeah. uh you know i would have i would have brought that up i didn't have yeah, it in well, a highlight say, like, but yeah yeah coochie and sassy um i and um you know uh, uh I, I, I think you know the cover of woman like is is good as mm. well i think anoni who Obviously, was in Anthony and Johnson's uh, with an incredible voice. Like, I don't, do you, do you 
listening to Anthony and the Johnsons at all? Did you ever listen to? I can't say I did. No, but it's, okay, it's one right. of those ones. That is like, one of the. Yeah, I should go and check it out. I think off the back of this. Yeah, one of the most unique voices in popular music from as long as in sort of in my lifetime. Really, really brilliant. Cool. Really, that 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 album that they won the um, uh, the Mercury Music Prize for. I've forgotten what it's called now, but it's fucking. It's really good. Really, really good. So um, yeah, I like this. I mean. Getting Buffalo Stance, I do kind of, I think it's sort of make you know in in a in a world where pop become become a bit more lo-fi and stuff. Mm. I think doing Buffalo Stance like that sort of makes sense for the time, but it isn't as good. No. But it's still all right, and I think actually you know Manchild with Sia mm. is, and that's a, again a really fucking hard song to to come in and cover. Like they're the two big ones from that album. Well, yeah, the opening um, two songs, aren't they? So they're the yeah. ones that everyone knows. Um, yeah, and uh, and they're the two big hits, I think. So mm. you know, uh, but like they're both they're pretty good. I mean, they're not like you know. Sometimes you hear a cover and you go, "This is a fucking disgrace. <laughs> uh, this is a disgrace to a great song." Yeah. Uh, like Crazy Town doing New Noise or something. Like there's nothing like that on it. No, 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 no. So uh, it's pretty good. I mean, look, I just wanted to talk about Nana Cherry. And that's fine. Wait for the classic that album on Raw Like Sushi. Real, uh, oh, mate it's coming um the versions by nana cherry is out as is ramona park broke my heart by vince staples released way back in april a fifth studio album from the compton based rapper the follow-up to his self-titled album of 2021 i like vince staples i am kind of interested stroke excited by anyone from that kind of clan of people that are involved in odd future mm. and i think he's quite cool uh, we didn't get around to doing this. Um, I mean, April. Obviously, this was this podcast was essentially a different podcast, and <laughs> getting hip hop on that <laughs> was always a bit of a challenge. To be fair, also um, April the eighth, which, as we established, one of the best days of twenty twenty two for big releases. You had K Tempest and fuckloads of other stuff that you did cover at the oh, time. Yeah. yeah, April the eighth was a big. Oh yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, this is. I, you know, I quite like this record. Right, I, 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 this has got they've got really good reviews. This mm. record, so I thought we'd chuck it in. I think it's a really good mix of modern sounding, slightly low energy hip hop, and something a bit more classic sounding. I think it balances that very, very well. Uh, there are things on it that I don't like as much, which are stylistic choices mm -hmm. and um, choices that are definitely deliberate that are just not to my taste. But when you get a song like Magic which I think is fucking great. I think it's a perfect example of being able to balance those two ideas and those two worlds quite well. And I think Vince Staples does it to the majority of the time. I think he does it rather well. You've then got stuff like East Point Prayer with Little Baby, which goes way too far into that kind of mumble rap thing yeah. with all the auto-tune. And uh, there is too much of that for me to not love. Um about it but you know i think broadly speaking when we come to do like when i did the sort of top 10 hip-hop albums for louder that you know i i was sort of i listened to a bunch of stuff and I, this is one because it had been so well reviewed that i considered going oh, i wonder if this would get in and i thought no nah, there's no way yeah. this, no, this is not as good as the best stuff from last year in hip-hop i don't think but it is pretty good yeah it's a strong album i mean um it's funny i think had we reviewed this um well at some point kind of tail end of last year i mean maybe i don't know like september october time 
when I was still pretty nascent in my discovery of kind of contemporary hip hop. I think I would have struggled with this a lot more. Um, I feel like this should have been an album where it sort of sits in a pocket of getting to a kind of slower, looser bit that I really lose interest in it. Uh, lose interest in kind of in terms of the flow of the whole thing and to be fair yeah the mumble rap stuff i did find a bit off-putting and as you say that's a stylistic thing it's just it's not a genre i've been particularly captivated by when i've heard it and i think it still puts my back up kind of subconsciously when i do hear it because it does make me think of kind of wankers on soundcloud but um i really like some of the more weighty production i mean you got on a song like um a or i free the homies that's really cool the kind of heavy you know, um, sub-frequency production against Vince Staples, quite soft, drawling vocals and that loose stream of consciousness delivery. Really, really like that. I think for me, the album's maybe its best kind of production-wise when it is a bit more lo-fi and chilled out. I particularly like When Sparks Fly. And there's this kind of hypnotising drone in the repetitive mantra of the final song, The Blues, which just sounds like he's kind of, I don't know, having it out with himself in the mirror, but in a quite, I don't know, kind of psychologically fractured way. I like this album. Um, I don't know that I'm well-equipped enough to really kind of deep dive it without w- without doing a track-by-track, track, which fortunately, I don't have notes for every single track, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, thematically, I would say, broadly speaking, it's not a million miles away from Good Kid, Mad City, thematically. Mm. You know, he's, he's from Compton. It's about reflections on a tough upbringing around Compton. Yeah. I mean, it's some way away from being as good as good kid Mad oh City, yeah yeah definitely i would say if we're making that comparison and i just have done that but you know i i think it's um yeah it's kind of become a thing that's that's fairly well mined in hip-hop um over the last however long now decade and a bit or whatever and i think i'd probably rather listen to vince staples doing a slightly inferior version of Good Kid, Mad City than I would if he did um, what like sixteen versions of Bang That, which is a song on here yeah. which I think is way too daft and does not fit on here yes. and is not good um, and is stupid and uh, is this this kind of thing where you go like I, when people slag off hip hop when they go oh it's all talking that's what yeah they, yeah. Yeah, that's what they mean. They mean bang that, which is rubbish. But then there's a song that, like Lemonade is a great song. There are great songs on mm. here. Lemonade is a big, proper, good, you know, strutting, big balls out hip hop tune. And I think like there's enough of them. I think Vince Staples has got a an interesting flow. You know, like he's not the, the you know, not he doesn't, I don't think he's the best rapper in the world or anything. I think he's got a few interesting things to say. He's got a decent flow conceptually this is a fairly interesting record for the most part mm. it goes off the rails now and again and it goes when it goes off the rails it really goes off the rails but i think uh i think it's pretty good again pretty good yeah a decent one not one that i'm like itching to go back to time and again in full i would say mm. no me neither uh there you go ramona park broke my heart by vince staples right okay let's move on to what was a big record uh, Rosalia, Moto Mami, the third studio album from the Spanish singer-songwriter, which came out in March of last year. Although it's been being recorded since 2018. Mental. Uh, she got a bunch of producers in, including Pharrell, to make your blood chill a little before we get into it, <laughs> to make this a concept album about her feelings from the past three years after the success of her previous album, El Mar Quira, which I think is how you say it. This has been 
very, very, very well received. It was album of the year in the Washington Post, Variety, the Telegraph, and the Independent. Uh, the it was in top ten in the NME, uh, in the Guardian, uh, Entertainment Weekly. It was number two. Billboard top five. Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, like everybody seems to like this record. I feel like apart from you, based on that tone. I hate it. Really? Like, hate it, hate I it. I think this is shit. Ooh, I okay. think from the second that awful auto-tune comes in and those Latino rhythms enter, I was really fearful that this was going to be a mixture of two things that I really don't like. Okay. And it basically is. Even The weekend turning up on La Farmer mm. is crap. He sounds all right. The music to me on this is so thin and it's boring. And that endless latino rhythm thing it just sounds like love island to me it just sounds like music from love island there's a song in it called bularius which is mostly just auto-tune vocals and what sounds like someone doing a sort of choo-choo train in the background and i've said this before and i think this has really made my mind up on it right this hyper pop thing mm. this thing with hyper pop it deconstructs pop music so much that to my ears it doesn't bother to reconstruct it back into the thing that i think is the single most necessary thing in pop which is fun hooks choruses larger than life stuff hue and cry give me hue and cry over this all fucking day honestly i really struggle to get through all of this the only songs i really liked was hentai, which is a bit more of a ballad. And even that had the sound of a fucking typewriter going on in the background for absolutely no reason. And there's some stuff in the background of Bix, Bixcotio, which sounded a bit like the poison, mm. uh, a bit like poison by the prodigy. Apart from that, like, I might sound like a fucking out of touch <laughs> motherfucker. I don't get it. I don't get the fucking hyper pop thing. Every time I get one of those artists from Hyperpop and I go, oh, actually, I quite like that, it's always when they become more straightforward. 100 Gex, Doritos and Fritos. I didn't really get the kind of 100 Gex thing and they released that. Oh, that's got a really catchy bass line and it's got a big chorus. Charlie XCX on mm. Crash. I know everyone fucking wang on about the Vroom Vroom EP and all this kind of stuff. Fine. It's only last year when she released songs that make people jump up and down in the field in Reading on the main stage that it feels exciting to me I don't get this stuff and I don't want to sound like a big old a big daft racist <laughs> but I hate Latino music I hate Latino rhythms I just do not like them so this for me is not good and of course you hate Latino people uh, I think we should add in as well oh, definitely yes definitely add that that's in, why you, Sam, that's why you like you. Dark Throne so much Actually, no, not Dark Throne. They're one of the least Dark one of the least problematic of the black metal ones. They're just the one that came to mind. <laughs> you, you had you <laughs> everything like, like a dartboard, <laughs> and that, anything yeah. on the dartboard would have been right apart from dark against the fucking ceiling. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, Go sorry, on. Fenris. What an idiot I am. Uh, yeah. Uh, to add into the various accolades this has got, last time I checked, this is still the highest rated album on Metacritic for 2022. Uh, yeah, I think that is way off the mark. I definitely don't hate it like you do, but I'm never going back to this album. 
like never never certainly never in full i mean even looking at my kind of highlights and what i thought of them i mean basically for me i think this album is at its best and its best is quite a low bar i would say when it is going a bit more sparse with its kind of throb so something like chicken teriyaki and the kind of spiky electronic of the title track um Bitso Cachito, I think how, how you say it. Yeah, that's a bit more kind of sparse and odd. Didn't mind Hentai and G3N15 when they are a bit quieter and ballady, but broadly, yeah, this was a slog. And I feel like this album basically got um, plaudits for being clever rather than being good. It's kind of like, oh, it's interesting. And, you know, she's successful in kind of mainland Europe. I mean, she's headlining um, Primavera alongside like Kendrick and Depeche Mode next year. Yeah, And it's like, I feel like this might be a bit of bandwagon jumping rather than, I mean, there's clearly there's clearly some talent behind it. I don't even just mean in terms of the production credits and the guest appearances, but it's like it needs, as you say, refining and harnessing. Because at the moment, it's just throwing everything against the wall and very, very little of it sticks for me. But but also sounding really thin and yeah. empty as well. Like, do you know what I mean? I, it's not even joyous to listen to when it does go ever so slightly approaching kind of straight ahead. I mean, as you said, there are no hooks on it. There just aren't. There is that kind of one consistent rhythm all the way through. Um, yeah, yeah. Rubbish really, isn't it? You got that wrong, everyone else. I do think it's rubbish, yeah. I mean, uh, rubbish is harsh because there's obviously like you know one of the things i don't like about it is i i fucking like i say that that latin thing i'm trying to think of any latin oh god any like world music or latin music or sort of cuban or any of that sort of ever i tell you what ozomatly put an album out in about 2001 that i quite liked right that is the only thing from kind of latin music that i can think i does ricky martin count no. <laughs> I like living the Vida Loca. I, well, actually, maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know that I'd I don't. count him necessarily in Latin. No. Music. Well, I mean, look, that's about as far as I can go. Fair. Ricky Martin's living the Vida Loca and whatever the name of the Ozzel Matley album that came out in 2001 or two was. Apart from that, I just, I, I've never heard that. I just don't, that it, uh, that's a sound that I don't like. You know, when people talk about, people who don't like metal I go, oh God, it's just annoying, isn't it? It's just, it just grates on my ears. It just grates on my ears. It's just someone shouting and just like, oh, I can't ignore it. It grates on my ears. That's, that's sort of how I feel about Latin music, unfortunately. And it makes me sound like a, a dunderheaded fool, I'm sure. Because I quite like Puya, who are like, like, you know, Latin, like, or, or, or Soulfly doing it. I mean, Soulfly's a bit different. But like, you know, when that sort of world metal thing was happening, I didn't always hate all of that. Just El Nino. But just El Nino, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like I, it. I would say... I just don't like it. Comfortably my least favourite thing we've done this week, I would say. Comfortably. Yeah. yeah. It's quite a bum. Yeah. Uh, I think I might even like Dream Unending more than this. Oh, bloody hell. Here he is. <laughs> yeah. Back on the 20 bucks spin gravy train, Stephen Hill. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know what that don't means, know. but fine. Uh, good. Anyway, look... Um, Rosalia, Moto Mummy has been out for a while. You probably have either heard it or you've got no interest in it. Um, in which case, you're all right by me. Let's move on to Colour TV, How to Ask. This is a second EP from the Cornish Indie Rock four-piece. Something that I just happened upon whilst doing a little bit of browsing. They don't have very many listeners on Spotify at current uh, check. I'm going to check it right now since we're Get the here. live stats. 900 and, 970 
monthly listeners, less than a thousand listeners a month on Spotify. So, um, and in fact, this EP, three of the four songs on this EP have got less than 3,000 streams. Blimey. So go and have a listen to it. It's called How To Ask. Um, they're a pretty new band, I think. I think their debut EP only came out last year. And I found this and I thought, you know what? This is very 90s, very creation records. First song really sounds like Oasis with Brett Anderson from Suede on vocals. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you have to be a certain age for all that to really resonate properly. Luckily for me, we've got someone who is not my age on the panel. <laughs> uh, let's ask Sam. What do you think of this, Sam? I fucking love this EP. Do you? I'm fucking delighted you so do. So it came in and immediately I was like, oh no, oh, this is going to be the thing I don't like, which is to say kind of Nebworth ready Britpop. And that first song, you know, I think it, it does have that feel to it. As you say, it is Oasis with a bit of suede on it. Um, but it's so gloriously widescreen and covered in reverb. It's just like, oh, I just fucking love it. I absolutely love it. But... Then you, when it gets to Pavlova and I'd say goes a bit more Smithy, you know, a little bit of kind of more Manchester mm -hmm. post-punk, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. They've got another string to their bow. You then get educationers like this, which to me is the best of kind of noughties indie stuff, which is, you know, it's a narrow field, but uh, well, Arctic Monkeys and Franz Ferdinand, I'd say, I'm well in for that. Uh, and then, sorry, four belugas, dreamy shoegaze. Fucking brilliant. I think they've packed mm. so much in in 20 minutes. This is fucking great, mate. It is great. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you think so. Yeah, I mean, look, the first song, like, like you say, is a very sort of, um, it, it's got that kind of, uh, it's six minutes and 14 seconds. So, you yeah. know, like they're not just doing three minute long short indie songs. Wherever you need, it's got that kind of oasis, almost like sort of champagne supernova-y oasis. But like I say, with Brett Anderson, with a bit of glam mm. on vocals, I think it's really, really great. Um, yeah, I agree. Pavlova, which is, you know, three minutes, 47, does sound like Smiths. Yeah. I put the Smiths with, uh, mixed with a good Blue Tones song. Cool. You know, which is much, um, you probably don't remember the Blue Tones. I know, a slight return. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it, so that is their good song, really. Right. So it kind of, it's got that 90s Britpop thing, but done via the Smiths, which I think is really, really mm -hmm. good. Education like this, I think sounds like Idlewild. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I mean, to me, it did immediately recall kind of debut um, album, Arctic Monkeys and Franz Ferdinand. But I mean, this mm. is all quite broad strokes. I think there's a lot going on on each of these songs. And, you know, as you say, they're, you know, they're not especially long songs. You know, we're not talking about fucking lateralis, but they're not, they're no. not sure. And even then, they, they pack a hell of a lot into kind of a handful of minutes, I would say. I think it's really strong. <laughs> Well, education like this is two minutes, 45 seconds long, yeah. right? And it is, you know, like I say, it's got that punky, poetic, post-punk drive to mm. it. That like a like kind of early, I guess, kind of Hope is Important era, Idlewild. I really, really like that song. And for Bagulas, which is the last one, I think that's how you say is that. Is it not Belugas? Or maybe I wrote it wrong. I don't know. I thought it was Belugas no, like, the whale, it, like the whale. Belugas, yeah. yeah, I wrote it wrong. I've written Bagulas. Begu which is not a thing. I think I had some bagul last down the Turkish restaurant last night. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh cultural now, now the racist. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You've got to love it. Uh, that song's great. And it reminds me of the Stone Roses if you took all the dance elements out. Now, I know that might sound like you're going, what, you're taking the best bit of the Stone Roses <laughs> away and, and saying that it's a good thing. But it actually is a good thing. I think it's, it's less kind of 
dance rock, but it's got the kind of psychedelic thing that the the, the Rolling Stones, the Stone Roses did, mm. whilst just making it a bit more gritty and over a seven minute period yeah you've got that kind of shoegazy my bloody valentine kind of ride slow dive thing going on as well um yeah four different songs four kind of i wouldn't say they're all uniquely different from each other but they're different enough that they are you know very very clearly distinct and it's a fair bit of strings to their bow I think this band are really good. This is really, really good. Really, really promising. So you say, is this their second EP then? This is the second EP, yes. Fantastic. Uh, their first EP was called, hold on, I've got it down here for a second. Uh, their first EP was called Is That You from 2021. Cool. Um, so... Got to go and listen to that and can't wait to hear more from them in the future. This is real fucking good. Yeah, do check this band out because they're not big, you know. They're not a big band. They're called Colour TV. I'm really surprised that they've um, kind of got... Uh, no offence, Colour TV, if you come across this. I'm surprised they've got that few listeners because I would have thought this kind of thing, it, you know, it's doing pretty well at the moment. You know, not massive, but... I've got a new one, I suppose, but even still, I, th- I feel like they're, they're kind of... The the British guitar music scene is kind of primed and ready for a band like this to be coming up alongside your kind of your high vises, let alone the other post-punk bands who have sort of preceded it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there you go. Anyway, Colour TV, How to Ask. That is out now, as is. Here we go. Here we go. Bimbo Core 2 by Scene Queen, the second instalment of the Bimbo Core series from the US solo artist who I saw at Reading and was like, okay. And it was, without question, one of the most intriguing things I saw that weekend. Was it actually any good, though? Well, I guess we can discuss that here, can't we, Sam? Mm. Um, this song is about burning down the establishment <laughs> because they don't pay you enough. Yeah. Glitter in the Molotov, you don't want to set me off. Um, Scene Queen is 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 funny. Yes, for a start, let's just get this. Like, and I don't mean like ah ha 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 idiot. Like, I mean like uh, she's funny because she's stupid knowingly funny right like knowingly amusing in uh in a way which i don't think is there's you know this is not comedy music like Elstorm. you know this is not trying to be i don't think this is something which is trying to be like hilarious this isn't trying to be funny this isn't like wacky jokey but at the same time it is so unbelievably ott mm hilariously obnoxious but also brilliantly subversive i think this is something which metal should really benefit from fuck black braid or ashen sphere and being or or what, what was that band called um uh the ones who were like we're gonna make drone music to bring society down with and it's like what it is like leave your guitar by an amp uh and crush the patriarchy but like for 15 chin strokers who read <laughs> brooklyn vegan like you're not going to change anything at all um but but this is aware of how absurd mm. it is this is the future of heavy metal sam and, is what I'm saying. And so it should be. This is fucking great. This is fucking great. I'm so <laughs> pleased that I actually like this because, you know, when you did the Reading review, I was saying, wow, that does sound like a really con- really interesting subversion of the tropes of metalcore because, you know, this is the music of kind of 
posturing dullards who are massively misogynistic like Attila, but it actually sounds really fucking good. And it doesn't sound pro-tool to death. And then, of course, you get to the lyrical narrative, which is absolutely upending. And as you say, it is funny, but it's not comedy. It's really savvy parody. I think it is actually embarrassing for all this fucking metal called wet wipes, like the Devil Wears Prada, that songs like Pink Cocaine and The Rapture, But It's Pink, are so much better than anything any of those bands have ever written. And this is the second EP. It is fucking embarrassing how bad metalcore is compared to Scene Green. This is genuinely excellent. And it can be so heavy at times. It can be hilarious. It can be crushing. It's really well performed. And I think it is. As you say, it's the kick up the arse that the kind of contemporary metal scene needs because it is so aggressively parodying the foul attitude that pervaded 2010s into 2020s download and warp tour fuck those lot get fucking scene queen on the main stage this is fucking excellent i'm so happy that i like this so much and actually i think strangely my favorite track on it is probably the one with set it off who i don't like normally but that <laughs> i know it's like well done set yeah. it off you've finally been involved in something which isn't dreadful yeah the congratulations the thrashing murder lullaby barbie and ken is fucking superb this is this is awesome i to be honest i think the two eps that we've done are my favorite things we've done this week potentially alongside big thief yeah Yeah. look this is this is great yeah it's heavy it's catchy it's unusual it sounds like kesha it's aware of how absurd it is i love it right in in three months i am 43 years old it's fucking terrifying horrible right but I shouldn't like this, no. should I? No, not really. I mean, I suppose the one the one thing you can't say, like the, I, I'm glad I like this because I get the one thing you can't say about you can say you can say a lot of things about us, <laughs> um, but you can't say that I'm like an old man yelling at a cloud, no. right? Because if I because if I was, I'd be coming in here going, "How dare you affront metal by doing this? <laughs> da, 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 this is an affront to metal. But metal needs to stay pure." And I've seen these people doing that already mm. with Sin Queen. I wrote a little bit for Metal Hammer website, and I, and I saw these people going, "Sin Queen's a disgrace. We need to keep this sort of thing out of metal." No, you don't. You need to fucking embrace it. You need to embrace it. This is, I mean. I don't know how big this will get because I think in a post-Baby Metal world where Baby Metal has sort of peaked mm. and we had a few things coming in the aftermath of Baby Metal, it maybe doesn't seem as shocking. But I think with Baby Metal, Baby Metal were doing kind of like legitimate pop songs just with really heavy riffs around yeah. it. But the whole package of Scene Queen, um, I think actually feels more, and that's mad because, you know, baby metal have the Fox God and this whole narrative of where they come Mm. from. And they actually feel quite kind of reverential to metal. Whereas I think scene queen, it's not shitting on metal, but it's still definitely taking the piss out of it. I think it's still definitely taking the piss out of it and herself and like Hun culture, like kind mm. of the the, the sort of Paris Hilton-y thing. Like there's a bit of mockery and, of that and the absurdity of that like you say it's a really great kind of um uh juxtaposing of the the worst tropes of that warp tour macho metalcore scene brilliant and you know ultimately none of that would make it would mean anything if like you say it wasn't just performed in a really really great great fucking way Pink Barbie Band-Aid would, for me, get an Olymp Biscuit set list. It's got at least three different massive fucking hooks mm. on it. It is huge. Barbie and Ken 
with the dude from Set It Off. It's so fucking daft. Yeah. Ken and Barbie sitting in a tree. K-I-L-I-N-G. But I can't help love the shit out of it. It's like Aqua. It's like Brett Easton Ellis wrote a song for Aqua. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking absolutely brilliant and then the last song is about a hotel and like the hotel itself it has levels she says <laughs> it's very good i'm just gonna say it wargasm you wish you were this good oh fucking hell yeah yeah you wish you wish you were this Mate, good. attila you wish, wish they were this you... good oh god but i mean you know like when wargasm are like uh, <laughs> This one's about my. I got nipples, and what are you going to do about it, the man? And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And you know, we weren't horrible about that wargasm uh, album that came and out. To be fair, I, I, I forgot like, to listen to it, so you you were nice yes, about you it. Did. <laughs> I actually was very nice yeah. about it, but in comparison with this, I mean, it, it the, the the gap is a chasm. Mm. It is a yawning, gaping chasm the size of the Atlantic Ocean. Sing Queen is a billion times infinity times better than any of these other bands. And it's fucking funny. It's fucking catchy. It's really heavy. It's totally unique, but completely relatable. Now it's out, you're like... God, it's so obvious. Why didn't someone do this before? Why didn't someone do this like in tw- 2012? Yeah, when, when like, this stuff was rife this... with that kind of awful misogyny, yeah. when you had the get on your knees and suck this, you know, shirts and stuff like that. That would have been the perfect time for it to be a fucking neutron bomb. But hey, better late than never. And Be- I must say, better late, you know, yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, actually, you know, you talked about, you know, baby metal kind of write their stuff with reverence. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Scene Queen has kind of reverence for metal if they've just chosen this as the vehicle as a kind of target for something that needs changing but either way fucking brilliant this is genuinely actually kind of essential i think i don't want to you know without sounding stupidly hyperbolic it's like metal needs this kind of thing we need more of this kind of thing get scene queen and fucking ithaca on a tour together they'll fucking destroy the patriarchy you're fucking brilliant i'm all up for that yeah look i know there's, there's just nothing wrong with having fun so uh and this is a lot of fun yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah a lot of fun and it's really it's just really good and it it could have been a disaster do you know what i mean if it was to, if it took itself a bit too serious or not quite serious mm. enough it would fucking all fall apart you got to get that spot on and i think she gets it spot on and also it kind of helps at the like pretty much every song on here is well catchy yeah. pink whitney come do you know what i mean like it's in my head like if a song remains in your head from that like it's particularly metal if a song remains in your head like i haven't listened to this for a few days now Mm. um but i'm going through it and i'm like oh yeah i could sing you the hook from every single song which is a very good sign i think it's really good um bimbo core 2 by scene queen go and listen to it uh you you nazi (laughs) Um, (laughs) you're not a you're not a nazi don't worry about it uh anyway last one Kai Whiston, Quiet Kept as F.O.G., the third album from the London-based solo artist released in September last year. This is a concept album of sorts, looking at his memories from growing up as part of a travelling community and turning it into some kind of sonic memory board, which, you know, to me, that is a that is a concept album. Mm. 
Rosalia just going, this is a concept album about some stuff. About yeah, how I, I felt. Sort of remembered. Yeah. Again, that was another thing that I was like, well, that's not a concept album, is it? That's just an album expressing yourself through album. music. Yeah, that's just music. Yeah, so, anyway. Yeah. Um, somebody sent this in to us. I think it was, I'm going to say, Max Cousins. Oh, Max. Was that who it was? Maybe. I'm going to double check. Hold the line, please. Because I, I want to get this right. Because I want to give uh, a shout out to whoever... Um, whoever did suggest it because oh, I've got the bloody Cliff Richard thing in front of me now, haven't I? I really um, need your help. Because <laughs> I really need your help. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Matt's cousins. I was right. Hey. Max last year suggested that we listen to uh, Igloo Ghost, mm. which was fucking brilliant. And then when we put this thing out, he was like, oh, you should listen to Kai Whiston, right? Uh, Max, continue to send me stuff. Because I have to say, I've left this to the end, right? I fucking absolutely adore this record. The reason I didn't go more biggie on Left Field, which I think is a good album, yeah. is because when you listen to Left Field and you listen to this, this is as good a electronic music album as you will hear. Mm. I think it's fucking brilliant. It might be my favourite thing we covered this week. Ooh, I would just have the two EPs and Big Thief over it, but I think this is mm-hmm. fucking brilliant as well. I mean, as as I've said several times over, it feels like, bar Rosalia, this has kind of been a week of relentless positivity, but this is, again, absolutely brilliant. It starts off with this like grandiose, sort of shrill string refrain um, before a clattering breakbeat, which we've already established we both like, comes in. And I immediately yep. thought, I am not bothered about the fact that this is a 50-minute album now. Because 50-minute kind of dance electronic album, I did think, am I going to enjoy this whole thing? Probably about 30 seconds in, I was like, I'm going to be fine here. Um, Q featuring Pussy Riot is exactly exactly the kind of heavy electronica that I like. It's busy, thumping electro, bit of dubstep, bit of like mad acid house. It's brilliant. Goes into the slightly less manic but still pounding carrier signal featuring Eden. I'm not aware of Eden as an artist, but I'm going to go and check them out uh, as a result. There's those glitchy soundscapes on Peace Convoy, which, you know, has got enough of a kind of lineage and stuff like Code Orange that I listen to. where I'm like, yes, more of that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, There are points where it goes a little bit more hissy and airy and I'm a little less keen on it. But I think that it's necessary because if it was 50 minutes of this just solid throb, it would be absolutely exhausting. Um, I yeah think this is brilliant. I think Vivian's spacey throb is particularly Vivian brilliant. Is yeah, as wicked those so wicked. those heavy sub frequencies, and when it goes into Lux mm. Three with um his collaborator from Glue Igloo Ghost, the aforementioned Igloo Ghost, I think it's excellent. Um, the finale, the ten minute piece with Helen Whiston. I don't know if that's uh, a relative or wife. Is... I don't or partner. I'm not sure. I would assume from listening to it. I, I'm I'm assuming it's a parent or a, an elder relative. I yeah. think because they're talking about they're talking about what the music meant to them when they were growing, or maybe you know sister or something. But it's, it is it it seems to be something talking about like free parties and talking about rave culture mm. and how and just discovering that music and how kind of you know important and influential that was in their sort of existence, which I think is awesome. I um, think it's a really powerful ending. I'm not sure I needed the track to be sort of the best part of 10 minutes, but that is a very, quite long, very yeah. minor criticism. More because the kind of the audio sample that comes from this Helen Whiston does end kind of probably a good three minutes before the album ends. But 
that's about all I've got to be sort of critical of on this. I think this is fucking great. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant record. Um, it sounds incredible. It's so sharp. It's so clear. It's so clean. And yet it's also so, uh, you can kind of feel, it, 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 it's a throwback to, I mean, I don't think you mentioned it, but TFJ has like proper drum, and like mm. old school liquid drum and bass rhythms and beats to it, which are fucking amazing. Like, we're actually um someone suggested a drum and bass album for me and sam to do on the the patreon page and i think we're going to do that quite soon because we've never really gone in on and we got, i've i've never spoken about drum and bass at all um but i used to listen <laughs> like, <laughs> in the 90s yeah, yeah i used to listen to that quite a lot um so i and yeah and it sort of took me back but it also feels super futuristic as well it's got all of those it's got all that kind of it, it's like a robot with dirt under its fingernails mm. I love this record, man. I absolutely fucking love this record. Max, you have played a blinder. Two years running now. <laughs> Igloo Ghost and Kai Whiston, back to back. Can you tell me what your favourite album of 2023 is? Now. <laughs> before it comes out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah right now, because we're just going to cover it. Great shout. Absolutely, what a great shout. I, I yeah. This is my favourite thing of the week. I think this has been a very, very, very strong catch-up. I think if you add in the Iggy Pop album, I mean, look, out of 11 albums, Rosalia is the only one that I actively don't like, right? Yeah. The only one that I don't like. Um, there's stuff in here like Brutus and even Sugar Babes, which I think is sort of kind of six out of tens, if you like. Um, but everything else, I would say, is either a sort of seven out of ten. So I'd go Unison Life, probably left, no, not left field, probably Nana Cherry, Brutus, and um, uh, what was the other Sugar one? Babes. Sugar Babes yeah. are like six, six out of ten. And then everything else is probably an eight or above. Yeah. Six, seven, and then eight. I, like, I, you know, for me, I'd give Brutus I'd kind give, of high seven myself, but yeah, broadly, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. I think left field's a seven. I think Big Thief is potentially a nine. Mm. Um, I think Vince Staples is probably worth a seven as well. I think Rosalia would be like a three or four. <laughs> Colour TV, I would give a nine. Bimbo Core, I'd give a nine. Uh, and I, I, this is as close to a fucking ten as you're going to get. It's well good. It is Really, well good. really good. What a good week. And let's look forward now. That was everything from 2022. Well, the thing is, it wasn't everything. It's just a bit it's of the stuff. Far from everything. It's just a tiny little bit of stuff. Uh, next week, you might want to help us out next week because we're going to try, we're going to do a new thing. We're going to try and do once a month, we're going to have a podcast trying to find the finest of something. And we're going to start that next week. We're going to try and find the finest live album of all time. So if you're on our social medias and you want to message us or whatever and go, you have to consider this live album as the greatest live album ever. We're going to deep dive um, the best live album ever. Haven't quite worked out how we're going to do that but we are going to do that and uh go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and you'll get a podcast on the fragile by nine inch nails in the next few days anyway thanks so much for listening appreciate that sam see you later mate bye gonna go and watch pompey play spurs now oh lovely by the time you've got to the end of this podcast that game will be over and uh we'll have let 10 goals in and i'll be raging <laughs> Anyway, who cares? See you later. Yeah.